back <laughs> back in the New York groove. Back in the Paris groove. Not really. Yeah, well, we're not, well, we're not in the New York groove either. A month removed yeah. from Paris. Paris is just a distant memory. It feels like it was just like a week ago, though. It like, does. It doesn't feel very... I sound very strange to myself. I know, obviously, I've been talking this whole time. It's not like I don't speak when we don't do the podcast. But now that I'm concentrating on what I'm saying, I sound sick still. Don't concentrate on what you're saying. I know, but... You need earplugs so you can't hear yourself. Like mm. blinders for a racehorse. What are you talking about? Sometimes (laughs) when you see podcasts... Like, I know under the Joe Rogan show, when I watch the video version, they wear headphones as they're recording. Is that to hear themselves? Yeah. And that, to me, would just completely destroy my ability to speak. Why do you want to be able to hear yourself? Sometimes when it's a smaller production, like Joe, I'm on first name basis with Joe, my friend Joseph, but he has like a producer who monitors the levels. But I think on smaller shows where it's just the people themselves and the mic, it's so they can hear whether their levels are peaking and whether the audio is messed up. So is it their voice being played back to them at the same time as they're speaking or like just that, like what are they hearing i'm not sure because then you have to wonder whether they're hearing the other person speak as well because if not then they could only hear themselves yeah this and they've got headphones weird. on so it's harder to hear the other person maybe voice. they're not hearing anything maybe they just put headphones on because <laughs> this is a prime example of samantha's great tendency to just offer an explanation (laughs) just a knee-jerk nonsense explanation for something that doesn't need to be explained what do you mean i'd like for you to break down for the listeners how it could be true that they just have headphones on but they're not listening to anything break that down step by step because it doesn't make sense that they would put headphones on and like what are they hearing are they just hearing themselves speak as in i'm hearing myself speak right now yeah well, they can hear themselves speak without headphones, then can't but they? But that's what I was saying. If, like you and I, I'm not looking at the computer the whole time we record. Every so often I glance over. But if I wanted to know whether I was peaking, I could plug some, like the microphones we have, you can plug the headphones straight into them. And you can hear, You know, have you never heard like you peaking audio? It at the same time as you're saying Yeah, it's it? like instant Or is it replay. playing it back to you after you've finished speaking? No, it's like instant. So it's at the same time as you? Yeah, that's what instant as if, means. As if you're talking through a microphone and you can hear your microphone voice. Exactly. Okay, I don't know why that escaped, why I had such trouble to understand. It's because you've, got, you've still got lingering sicky brain. Yeah. So, Talking we of haven't which, put a podcast out for like 11 years, and it's because... I wanted to make 11 years a podcast <laughs> non-recorder joke. I don't know what that means. Anyway. Do uh, you not remember when we sat down and watched 11 years a slave together? 12 years a slave. Oh. It doesn't make any sense now. <laughs> I was underselling it. This guy's like, dude, you just totally discounted the last year of my slavery. That was the worst. That was the worst one. I think maybe the first year would be the worst. No, let's not. Yeah, let's this not, is getting this into is some stupid. dark. T- let's talk about <laughs> slavery. Let's break it down. We when have did, such expertise in yeah. 18th century plantation slavery. 
So basically, we went to Paris at the end of November. As you may have heard us allude to on the last episode. When we got home, like a few days later... No, it couldn't have been a few days later. I think it was about a week, a week and a half. Yeah, maybe a week, a week and a half later. I started to get sick. And it wasn't like an obvious kind of like, oh, you have the flu or something. It was pretty low level at first. It was like, I had a migraine every day for like 11 days. And what else was it? Was that a cough or something? I can't remember. But a migraine and something else. So it wasn't like so sick you can't do things. But at the same time, it was like... I've had a migraine for 11 days. I'm going to commit a murder if it doesn't go away. Um, a quote-unquote homicide yeah. migraine. And, and then the migraine went away and I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'm getting better. And a few days passed and it was now like the week of Christmas. And a few days passed and I thought, oh, I'm getting better. And I woke up and I couldn't breathe <laughs> and I couldn't speak. Like my voice had almost completely gone. And I was just like hacking up my guts and just, it was horrible. Um, and I was sick. Like, it was like a few days before Christmas that this really, really sickness happened. And I, we had said that we were going to like do Christmas. We... The first few years that we were together, we did Christmas with our families. Like, we went to, like, your mom's for a few Christmases, actually on Christmas Day a few times. Um, So we were still... So I transitioned from having, like, family Christmases to having, like, a Christmas with you and your family. And it was nice. But then, after, like, the first few years of, like, oh, were you going to come to ours for Christmas kind of thing? Christmas started getting further and further away. So, like, now, for instance, this year, we saw your family on our Christmas visit on, like, the 8th of December. So it was, even though it was Christmassy, it wasn't Christmas. And It actually worked out pretty well, if you think about it, because it was just before you started getting under the weather. Yeah. And my family situation in the last couple of years has changed so now if i wanted to do christmas with my mom it would just be me and my mom so it's not really much of a christmas although we did get together around like the 20th or whatever and do like a little mini something so i was feeling really sad about like because christmas used to be my favorite time of year i loved it like i really cherished it and reveled in everything christmasy and we had traditions and i was just feeling really like oh Christmas Day, the actual day for the past two or three years has been a non-event. It's we almost don't like do anything. We don't. We we're not really huge gift givers. We do gifts now and then. Um, we don't even really put Christmas decorations. No, up. because we did for the first few years because we lived in like a house. Um, but now that we live in like our living room and kitchen is one room. And because of Rudy, I just can't stand yeah. If you it. put Annoyance, tinsel up, yeah. you will wake up the next morning with Rudy slowly swallowing it like a boa constrictor, yeah, eating I, a <laughs> moose. He's just I, eating like 50 yeah. foot of tinsel. <laughs> I just don't want that inconvenience of having to constantly tell him to get out of the tree. And by the time it's not even Christmas yet, the tree's mangled because he's jumped in it so many times. So we don't have like a big Christmas tree. But some of the years I've had, like, one or two Christmassy things out. Like, I had, like, this pretty glittery thing that just said Merry Christmas. One just year. little ornaments. But this year I was like, 
I'm feeling really sad about it. What can we do to make Christmas? So I said, let's get a couple of like small decorations and like some fairy lights and stuff. And also I would like to try and attempt some sort of Christmas dinner. Now, for people who don't live in parts of the world where you have like a Christmas dinner, Christmas dinner is basically turkey or some kind of meat, potatoes, gravy, vegetables, Yorkshire puddings, etc. Stuff in if you Yorkshire like puddings in. mostly if you're in the UK. Yeah. It's um, not like in Texas they have no, Yorkshire no, no. puddings. But some people know what they are in other parts of the world. Um so I was like, I would like to try and make like, a Christmas dinner and we'll sit down and we'll watch like a movie. Look, I mean, we watch movies when we eat and stuff anyway, so that wasn't... But you like... wanted to watch a Christmassy movie. I did at first, but then I was like, no, it doesn't even need to be a Christmas movie. We're fine. As long as it's like, we, I make the dinner and we're like, Merry Christmas and it's like an actual thing. Um, I also did mention maybe making each other a gift just as a way to mark the day. But then I got sick, and so I didn't do it, and neither did you. My gift to you was my constant nursing you back to health. Thanks for that. Um, Well, your insurance doesn't cover it, so you're going to get a bill at the end of the month. (laughs) I've invoiced you for all the days of my in-home care. So, yeah. so, So we had planned this, and then, obviously, like I said, a few days before Christmas, or the week of Christmas, I got really sick. But we'd already bought the food. Like, we bought the food. No, and you were like, I'm going to... You Remember, you were like, I'm going to end... We've done all this and you're going to end up having to cook Christmas dinner. Yeah. Which is funny because, no, you don't cook like Well, anything. I can't cook. Yeah. But I envisioned me, like, trying to tell you exactly how to do it. But that would just be madness. You record, like, an instructional podcast and I'm listening to it through my earphones yeah. as I did cook. So I basically tried to just do nothing. Like... You did everything. You would, like, load the dishwasher and you would do everything around the house that you could. And we had to, like, order food in a few days. But then I really wanted to make the Christmas dinner. And even though I was really sick, I did somehow manage to make it. Um, It was very impressive because you were simultaneously handling, like, seven different things at once. mm. And watching that as someone who can't multitask very well, and someone who gets stressed out if i mean we only had it's not like we had spare stuff so if you had for example overcooked the meat or burnt the whatever we wouldn't we would have been screwed because christmas day you can't just go out somewhere and get some more stuff and so watching you it was like watching someone do a high wire walk (laughs) because you were sick so it was even harder for you than normal and because I knew you cared about it so much. And obviously for me, it's not as big a deal, but I do like the idea of having a quote-unquote Christmas dinner. But for you, I know it's like a huge deal. So I was watching you biting my fingernails with trepidation and tension. Cooking while sick is so hard because when you got like that, and I really did, I don't know if I had flu or if I had flu plus a chest infection. And the reason I think that is because even though I've not been terribly sick for the past, like, five days, that the really badness has gone away, I still have a very wheezy chest and I'm coughing all the time. And so I and I have had a chest infection before, so I know what it feels like. And so I do think I might have also had a chest infection. That's how bad it was. And... um. 
No, no, I didn't go to the doctor, but that's another story because, yeah, let's not get into that. But I didn't end up going to the doctor. I, it would have been pointless if it was flu anyway because they can't give you anything if it's flu. Um, so, so I'm trying to make the dinner and doing anything while you're sick is so hard. Like, you, because of the, I don't know if it's because of like the chest infection part, the wheezing, it's like you're out of breath really easily. So I'm standing there trying to like move from like this, 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 and this, trying to get it all to time together. And I'm like, I can't breathe. And I'm just on fire. Like I was like, you have that like fever, like sweaty, hot and coldness that you get when you're sick. It sucked. But the dinner was a success. And it was yummy. And it was very nice to have like a Christmas dinner and be like, you know, Merry Christmas. You poured it off. This is it was nice. a nice dinner. Originally, you <laughs> you being over ambitious, given the fact that a, you were sick, and B, you've never cooked this particular thing before. You wanted to get, like, a turkey. No, I... Obviously, in my mind, originally envisioned a turkey or, like, a small... Like, the smallest turkey you can get. But then I was like, no, I don't want to do that because I've never cooked a turkey or a, a whole turkey or a whole chicken before. And I don't want to do that part where you have to put your hand in and pull out the, like, giblets or whatever. <laughs> and, and also, there's the worry that, like... Our oven is not the best, and what if it doesn't cook properly, etc. Although, it's not like I'm going to not know whether it's cooked properly and then I'm going to serve it. I'm obviously not going to do that. So but you can only see the surface meat. No, well, you cut into it, but don't But we you? don't have a meat thermometer or anything No, like that. but you cut into it so you can see. But So I gave up that idea, especially since I'd already started getting sick when we went to go get it. And I thought, okay, let's get like a turkey joint. So it's basically the middle of a turkey. It's ju it's just the like good good parts basically, and you don't have to worry about like putting your hand in and messing around. But then we went to the supermarket and they didn't have a turkey joint, and then I considered like a turkey crown, which is again not a full day, but it's still like I don't know. We were standing in the meat hall for ages trying to figure out what we were going to do. And I was really set on turkey for ages until you were like... I just didn't trust it. And I knew that you were kind of tempting fate and caught in disaster by choosing to cook this thing that you have never cooked before on this day that means so much to you and you want to go off without a hitch. And so... I ended up just getting steaks. Yeah. And you ended up getting turkey steaks, basically. Yeah. Which is a much safer choice because you can just, like, pan... Not fry. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, you fry. Is it fry? You fry steaks? Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Why? You pan cook them? I don't pan know. Pan fry, fry. I'm not a chef, okay? <laughs> I don't know the jargon. It's good as well because, obviously, the, the longest thing that you cook is the roast potatoes because... Usually it's the meat and you're cooking the meat for hours, but steaks take minutes. Yeah. So I could just cook mine and then yours, and I still got to have turkey, which was nice because I really like turkey. So. And I have my steaks well done, so it's kind of hard to mess it up. I don't, really, I don't appreciate these things that you keep saying. I didn't want to get turkey because I didn't trust it. 
it's hard to mess up steak. As if you don't trust my cooking skills. But it's like, I cook for you every day. Okay, but you didn't go to culinary school. You're not a classically trained chef. I'm not insulting your pedigree. But do I not cook meat for you every day? Okay, but cooking a turkey is different from putting a steak on okay. a pan. I'm just saying I don't appreciate okay. the comments in a row. Anyway, my point <laughs> is, it, yeah, it's hard to mess up a well-done steak. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there right now who are like, yeah, you can. well done. How dare you defile okay. that meat? Is there anything it's more obnoxious than people who say that? Yeah. It's like, you have your meat the way you want oh, it. No. But they're like, no, you have to understand medium rare is the perfect already temperature. The meat, like the whole... Otherwise, there's no taste to it. And it's yeah. like food is inherently subjective. You can't say this is objectively the best way yeah. to have it. Ew, gross. So, yeah. So Christmas was, we had a Christmas, which I really enjoyed. It was nice. Yeah. And then I continued to be sick. Every day I woke up thinking, okay, I'm going to feel better. And for like a good amount of days, I just woke up and I had barely any voice. Like it was, I feel almost like it was the most sick I've ever been. But I think you just think that in the moment because you can feel the extreme pain of it. Like, my throat was so raw. It was just horrible. I was tempted to actually do the podcast then when you had no voice. Just so I could monopolize the whole thing. Oh. I thought you were going to say, like, you do my voice, which is... I don't do a very good Samantha impression. No. This would be the time for me to jump in and try. (laughs) Hello, I'm Samantha. I could try and do a Samantha impression. I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. And I can see the mischief building on your face, which tells me I'm especially not going to like whatever no, comes I'm next. Do it. I can't do this. Um, so, yeah, so then I started to get better, but the cough and the wheezing is still here. And it's not going anywhere. So we just decided to do the podcast and I would have to break for, You're a trooper. for coughing because... You decided to just soldier on, yeah. which I admire. Good. Your strength of character really inspires me, Samantha. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you are an inspiration to us all. Every time I laugh, I need to cough. It's funny how like you, I still sound sick to me, but obviously you're like, no, your voice is normal. Why did you say that so disparagingly? I don't know, because it's annoying when I can hear, like, I'm na- very nasally to myself, right? To myself. <laughs> to myself right now, but... But no one knows your voice better than you. Yeah, true. Even if your voice is 2% different, you can pick up on the... Mm. Yeah. So, here we are. It's been basically, like, I don't even know, two months since Before the last episode. Paris. It was an unplanned Christmas hiatus, yeah. let's say. We should have just pretended it was intentional. Hey, guys, we're taking a break for the holidays. (laughs) We'll see you on the other side. So, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about in terms of Paris. Yes. So if you don't want to hear about it, then, you know. Skip forward an hour and a half. (laughs) Gosh, where do we start? Oh, my God, where do we start? Well, we start at the beginning, chronologically. Yeah. Okay, so had we mentioned the thing about the Eurostar we had, hadn't we? How we booked the tickets and then... Well, first of all, let's start at the very beginning. Because I feel like you're going to forget this if we jump straight into the Eurostar debacle. Oh, okay. Of 2017. Of 2017. As it's famously referred yeah. to in the foreign press. So, the night before we were to go, 
I don't know about you, Samantha, but whenever I know I have a big thing the next day, something I have to wake up for at a certain time and I need to make sure you get a full night's sleep, that is a cue for my body to be like, you are not getting any sleep tonight. It wasn't just that. It was that the week leading up to it, we were trying to transition our sleep from being nocturnal to sleeping normally. And even if we had have successfully turned it around completely, it still wouldn't have worked because we had to leave the house at 4am, meaning we had to wake up at about 3am, meaning if you wanted to have a full sleep, you have to go to sleep at like 5 or 6pm. And I didn't try to go to sleep till like 7 or 8pm. And I was just lying in bed for like three hours <laughs> And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I need to be asleep. I Your sheep even... count had gotten yeah. to 11,042. Yeah. I I think I went to bed after you. You did, yeah. You didn't even try to come to sleep at the same time as I me. knew I wasn't tired yet. But when I was tired, I think I was actually not too bad. I think I ha- if I'd went to sleep then, I would have gotten about five, five and a half hours. But like you said, you just sit there... Mm. completely wide awake for trying to scream at your brain to let you get some should I before you have to leave the next morning I think eventually when I nodded off I think I maybe maybe got two hours of sleep that night yeah I think I got about an hour and a half two hours as well and it wasn't good sleep it wasn't like deep REM sleep it was like I was on the front line in the trenches in World (laughs) War One anything might go down at any second type of light snoozing it's like you can feel yourself still awake and aware that minutes are passing and you know that the minute is coming up when the alarm is going to go off. And I hate that kind of like, I can't really get to sleep. Like, because it's like you, your body's finally saying, yes, you can fall asleep, but actually it's not letting you fully sleep. You know what it but- is as well? Sorry to interrupt you. I've noticed that as we've talked about before, I think, you constantly look at your phone, constantly yeah. look at the clock to I see. I tried not to. But that's what I do. because, And then you do the math in your head of, if no, I go I to sleep yeah. now, I'll get four and a half hours of sleep. But I find that once I've kind of, in my mind, and it's kind of an arbitrary demarcation, but in my mind, when I think I've passed the point of no return, I'm screwed now. Like, say when I've only got three hours left of potential sleep. When my mind is kind of like, oh, you fucked this up. That's when it gives up and I, it's almost like it doesn't matter anymore. And then I can just drift off. Mm. But for all that time beforehand, when I'm like so tense and I'm like, okay, I need to do this. This is my goal. I'm going to get this done. When my body is fighting against me doing that, it keeps me awake. But as soon as I say to myself, it's over, I've already screwed this. Then it's just, you start to relax and you start to just, it's no big deal now. Like when I go to sleep, I go to sleep and that's when I fall asleep. Mm. So I need to find some way to hypnotize myself to make myself think that I've already been awake for like six hours when I actually have only just gone to bed. I like went full, like I did as much as I could possibly do to try and make myself sleep. Like I purposely didn't like go on my phone a lot, half an hour up to it. Because I don't know if that actually makes a difference, but people are always constantly saying it, so I thought at least try. Um, there's a filter you can use on your yeah, phone? Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's like, yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't like works. it. it. I hate how it looks. Because it's foreign, it might 
hurt my eyes less, but it feels weird, and so I can't get used to it, so I don't use it. But And by foreign, you mean you're viewing all of your text in Spanish, right? Yeah, yeah, funny, funny. It's so funny. <laughs> you give me funny looks. That what? was, like, weirdly <laughs> passive-aggressive. <laughs> no. You're like, how dare you jump in and insert a joke on our <laughs> podcast? No, but it was like a silly joke to make. It wasn't like a funny Oh, as opposed funny. to a dead serious no, profound jest. but it wasn't jest. like genuinely funny. It was like long. Wow, I'm just getting hammered right now in this situation. <laughs> not only are you a dick for jumping in, not only was the joke not funny, not only am I not going to deign to grant you a chuckle. Anyway. Do you see what I have to deal with, listeners? <laughs> the old ball and chain wearing me hey, down. Hey, you shut the fuck up. I'll take my ball and my chain back and oh. I'll go somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> we just stared at each other for like 10 seconds. <laughs> the just world is on edge. List the world is the world. The world is listening. Um, Headline tomorrow, New yeah. York Times. Will Ryan and Samantha reunite New after York the podcast Times. tension? Oh, I was going to say our local paper. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it's the Bristol <laughs> Gazette. Bristol? Um, no, if it's to Bristol, I just... It was a weird place. Yeah, because anyway, you'd hate to offend Bristolians. It. Let me fucking get on it. All right. So, I had like a sleep mask on. I, the room was nice and toasty. I'd put like the electric blanket on. I was like, yeah, I'm going to just... I'm going to I'm gonna get so comfortable and so toasty. And oh, the lies we tell ourselves. Do you remember you... W- had a bath before you came to sleep and i still hadn't gone to sleep yet and i heard you running a bath and do you remember me saying can you guide me to the toilet because i didn't want to take my sleep mask off and be like awakened like i wasn't asleep but i was in a really relaxed state at that point so i was like if i take the sleep sleep mask off and be like in the light i'm definitely not going to get back into that but it didn't work. I was so awake. You came to bed and I was still awake and it just sucked. Anyway, let's get past the sleep. At least we were insomniacs together. It's even worse when you're alone and you're just constantly thinking, yeah. I've got to, I'm screwing this up. I need to wake up for this the next day. That's true. But when you're together, it's almost kind of, you can kind of laugh at it together. Like, oh, are you still awake? Yeah, I'm still yeah. awake. Can you believe this? We've got to go the next morning. Although everything was very tense. It was like, don't talk to me, I'm trying to sleep. But it was. <laughs> but you know. we were extra tense because yeah. of the worry about whether the travel arrangements yes. were going to work out. So we had briefly mentioned, I know we did, so I'm not going to go over it again, but we did briefly mention that there was a chance we might not make our Eurostar. Well, this is what, this is <laughs> to go all the way back to my original point. I feel like you're going to jump past the taxi. I'm not. I'm oh, not. Okay. I was about to jump on it. So we're already tense that our first train isn't going to make it in time to get the Eurostar, right? We have to get into London to get the Eurostar. But before then, we have to take like a two-hour train. And before then? We have to get to the train station and we don't drive. So I had already pre-booked a taxi with like, it's two and a half minutes to the train station. But I book it half an hour before so that you can... You know, there's time there in case the taxi's late, in case there is some unexpected, um, like, I mean, it's 4 a.m. in the morning, there's not going to be traffic, but what if there's, like, an accident or something has gone You've got wrong? to print your tickets out when you get to the station. Yeah, so... You've got to get to get the to your platform, platform. etc. 
So we're waiting outside for the taxi and it's late. It's not five minutes late. It's not 10 minutes late. It's not 15 minutes late. It's so fucking late. And I'm like, I can't believe. <laughs> this is what's going to fuck us. This is what, after all the train worry, the train and everything was going to be on time, but this is what's going to fuck us. And I'm like calling the taxi company. And they're so like casual and laissez-faire the, about it. We'll be there in five minutes, love. Don't worry. They never tell you exactly where they are. They just go, yeah, he's on his way. He's on his way. And I'm like, yeah, but can you tell me where? Because I've got a fucking train to catch, obviously. You sound like a high-powered businesswoman. I was so woman. annoyed. And I I've used... got to make this business meeting in Zurich. <laughs> and it's not Uber, but the taxi company does have like an app like Uber. And so I could see, you can see where the taxi is. And it was like not that far away from us and it hadn't moved in 10 minutes. And I was like, is the system broken or is he just fucking around? Like just driving in circles at the end of the street. Like, what is he doing? I was getting so mad. And the thing is that always annoys me is they come and they're late and they don't say anything to you. I'm sorry you're late, blah, blah. And I said to him, do you remember I got in the car and I went, we've got a train to catch. Can you go as quick as you can? <laughs> like, as if like we want him to like break the speed limit or whatever. Right. But like... I was just so annoyed. Anyway. So, yeah, we get to the train station. If it we're on time, even though that this is why I counted half an hour, because even though he was 20 minutes late, we still made it. Um, and we got on the train. Um, but it was kind of close. Yeah, it was close because the train was there. We weren't running along the platform, jumping on between carriages like a no. But we did Indiana get on. Jones movie. <laughs> we did get on. Remember, we said let's just get on because it's going to go in a sec, and because sometimes you got to walk all the way down the platform to get to your carriage, whereas you could just jump on and walk through the train. I hate doing that because I, because I'm big, it's not as easy for me to walk through. But I said let's just jump on and find our seat. So we did that. And the train journey, I, I really thought since we didn't sleep, oh, it's fine because we've got five hours of travel, we can sleep. But I was so excited and like I had lots of adrenaline that I didn't even, I couldn't even attempt to sleep. Like I was just like, yeah, like let's eat some sandwiches. Like because I had like packed like some food and stuff. <laughs> so I was like, do you want to eat some sandwiches? This is the cutest thing of all time. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Let's have a little picnic on the train. Sandwiches always taste better as well when you've like brought the, like you've packed them, you know. Talking of which, when I used to go as a small brief tangent before you stabbed me with your morning star flail. <laughs> when I used to go on fishing trips with my dad when I was I don't know, 11 or 12, we used to bring like huge lunch boxes full of ham and cheese sandwiches or rolls or whatever and i remember thinking that nothing ever tasted better than those when you're out there on the side of this lake dealing with the bugs and dealing with the weather and whatever and then it's like let's take a five minute break and have some lunch nothing tasted better than those crappy rolls yeah they do i don't know why but it does it just tastes the fact that it's been sat in this foil for a while as well like it's cold gives it a taste yeah it gives it a certain taste so yeah so the first train journey went really quickly but we knew but we didn't go to sleep at any point no we didn't but if you had gone to sleep i wouldn't have been able to go to sleep because i'm not one of those people yeah you're very i would have to have stayed awake to 
keep an eye on things because we had our bags with us we had a suitcase but also i was not going to be able to fall asleep i was wired i didn't even try the train journey went really quickly i thought and the train was on time like i was checking it every step of the way every time we got to a new station i checked to see if we were at that station on time and we were like occasionally we'd be um, two minutes behind but it would they would always catch up listeners this is how tight things were we were checking to see whether the train got into stations a minute or two late yeah and also and this is a small detail but during that train ride i don't know if you remember but you realized that we had forgotten to bring our oyster cards oh yeah and for any people out there who have never been to london the oyster card is the card you top up so you can go on the underground tube you, yeah, you can go on it without it, yeah. but it's more expensive and you've got to then, if you haven't got it and you haven't like pre-topped up, for instance, because you can top up online, you have to stop at a machine, queue at a machine where it's really busy and chaotic and get your You have ticket. to print out some you tickets. You have to actually really figure out your journey as well, yeah. like, whereas like you can pre-top up and Is go Is it just going to be zone one? Is it going to be... Yeah. Yeah. And I hated it because I was like, oh, we thought of everything and yet... I mean, we thought about Oyster Cards months before, but leading up to it, it's something that had slipped our mind. The reason why it was significant, as we're going to get to, is because once we pulled into London from our first train, we then had 20 minutes to get from that train station to get on an underground tube to take us to the next train station and get on the Eurostar. We only had 20 minutes. So every minute we could save by, for example, topping up the oyster cards online so when you get to the turnstiles you can just tap it and go straight through those extra minutes of save time were crucial to us and we realized that we'd forgotten them i remember one like as we coming off the train i said to you just go ahead to top up because going at my pace and then having to stop stop up we would have saved a couple of minutes which we needed yeah and you, so you went ahead. So I sprinted all the way through the train station down to the underground yeah. station. And I just went fast. I, I didn't like run. But then from there, we got on the tube. The tube was one stop, so it only took like two minutes or one minute. It was really quick. But then from there, we had to like jog because we weren't going to make it. And I thought from all like my, my research doing, I really thought you had to like leave the tube station and go across a street to get it wasn't clear to me whether the the underground met the Eurostar station underneath like underground and as we were like running through it did all of a sudden we were in the Eurostar station and I was like yes that's like saved us a minute but of course. Of course, they had like fate being the yeah. capricious bitch that she is. At this point as well, I am you are ahead, like I can see you ahead. You've just got there, but obviously you can't get through without me. Um, I am like moving so fast and like heavy breathing that I'm like, I'm gonna have to stop. Like this is this is like I can't breathe. I'm gonna have to stop. But but I didn't obviously, and we got there. We got to the Eurostar check-in lines, and there's this long snaking cordoned off line to get to all these desks where you check in and it's not just one line it's like four different things and it's not clear at first which one is which and what was the do you remember the time we had to get there and check in by if 
Yeah, 7.25 is when the gates were going to close. Yeah. And so we got there a few minutes before that and we were like, whoa, we got hit. We actually made it. And then when we got there, it just it just turned 7.25 and we looked at the boards and it said, check, check in for that Eurostar train has been closed. Yeah. And at that point, my stomach dropped and I was already <laughs> visualizing us taking the tube back to the other train station, having to pay an exorbitant fee to get a train, and then taking the most disappointing, yeah. horrendous, traumatic train ride home. I mean, I know you were thinking that, but we had said, because we had travel insurance, if that happened, we were just going to get on the day you were... Oh, yeah, we, that but, was a late change in yeah. our... That was a late change in our strategy. But that's not where your mind goes when you think you've you've missed it. But the queue was, it was so busy and chaotic. I just went straight to the front and I tried to like calm myself down. And I was like, I just grabbed a guy, a French guy. So I didn't know who was going to speak English. And I was just like, excuse me, I've been in this line for half an hour now, but I think maybe I've been standing in the wrong line. And I looked up at the board and it said, checking closed. What do I do? And he said, um, are you on your own? And I was like, no, I'm with you stayed in the queue just in case. And I was like, no, I'm with him. And he's like, he's in the queue. And I went, yeah, I know. I've been in the queue all this time, but it hasn't been moving. And now I'm scared I've, the check-in is closed. And he was like, oh, stand here. And he pushed us straight to the front of the queue. And you we beckoned got, me over yeah. and I sprinted over. And then he just led us straight through the turnstile. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I was like the happiest anyone has ever been in their life. It's hard to stress how impressive and clutch and miraculous this last second heroic effort by Samantha <laughs> was. She rolled up to this you Eurostar really official, backed her eyelids, Nuh-uh. pushed her cleavage up and said, Hi, mister. No, I did Am not. I too late to get through this line? I don't know anything about Eurostar trains. Some people are going to think that you've been serious. (laughs) So, yeah, I literally... He was pissed. Well, I don't know if he was pissed or if he was just... It was in the moment, so he was being stern, you know? Because he was just like, stand here. And I was just like, okay, I'll stand there. Like, I want to get through. And people But he led us straight through. And so, yeah, we can't overstate how last second this was. I mean, it was like something out of a movie. The fact that we still managed to get through when they had literally just closed the gates. And this is like, you're going from one country to another, so they don't mess around with this type of thing. Uh, I was very, very, very impressed. At how you didn't miss a beat. You went straight over there. You basically fed him a catch-me-if-you-can type yeah. tall tale, and you got us through. So you deserve all the credit. It was very impressive. I just thought if he thinks... I've been there already for a while. There's no reason for him to say, well, you know, you're late. But also, even though it said checking closed, he clearly, people were still going through. I was just worried that the line is so long and I still wasn't clear, like, which exact lines were for the check-in. I just thought, you know, just go and just say it. Like, just, you know, just go and say it. Um, so, yeah, so then we go through and we're so worried about, even though now that we're through, we've got 25 minutes before the Eurostar leaves. We're also super overheated and sweaty yeah, like you and have to, yeah. panicked oh, and the after effects of 
a borderline yeah. anxiety attack we were both sharing. It was freezing out, but I was. I was so... I was that kind of, like, sticky, sweaty from, like, rushing and, like, panicking. And, yeah, and that was, was when I took you roughly up against the Eurostar <laughs> Customs X-ray. Yeah, so we got through that Customs and stuff really quickly. Um and then instead of like stopping to get like drinks and stuff um or anything like that we just got on the Eurostar because we were so worried about um I I actually it. felt this is not a word I feel gets used accurately a lot of times but I genuinely felt euphoria yeah, in that me moment too. I felt so overjoyed and amazed that we had pulled off this strange caper me too. That when we sat down on the Eurostar in our seats, I still had like my pulse pounding and yeah. adrenaline coursing through my body. It was such a strange experience well. because we're both on like two hours of sleep. Mm. It's 5 a.m. in the morning or whatever. It was just, and for us, it's also kind of strange because we're going back to London for, yes. for a, a, you know, a couple of minutes. And London's a big deal to us. So there was like s- such a strange, heady mix of emotions. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, we didn't really talk about it. But as soon as we got into London and we were going down to like the underground, I definitely felt like all those feelings from like living there, like it all came back to me. And it was like, I fucking miss you. I miss you so much. I might cry. Like that's how powerful it was. And it, we were just through there so quickly. And I've talked about this before, but even living there for three years, I still loved going on the tube because the tube was, I, you romanticise it. And that never really fell away. Um, the tube is quintessentially London. Yeah. So being underground, I was just like, yeah, like I can't believe, I was taking pictures and everything, like just because, you know, you you can, you're there for a second. So you've got to like, so, yes, I know what you mean about, like, feeling euphoric. Like, we passed through London. Oh, my God, London's amazing. And then we finally got... See, because, like, leading up to the Paris trip, I had got excited. But I feel like I never fully let myself get completely excited because in the back of my mind, I had that feeling of, like, we there really is an actual real chance we're not going to get on the Eurostar and it's not going to happen. And... So I feel like maybe I fully didn't, I didn't let myself get to 100% of like excitement beforehand. So we got on the Eurostar, there was all that. And then there was like, this is our first trip together and it's my first trip ever. Outside the UK. Yeah. So it was like all these things added up. Um, And then the sleep deprivation just intensifies everything, of course. Yeah, but I still didn't feel tired. I didn't feel tired either. My body was still pumping and I was like, there's no point even thinking, oh, shall I maybe try and sleep? Because there's no actual way. Like, And I wanted to see like the the journey, you know. The URSS are really nice, by the way, for anyone who's never been (laughs) on it. It is just kind of like the train, but it's more spacious and it's smoother and it looks cleaner. I guess because it's like newer, maybe. Something weird you remarked on was that the ceiling in the train was higher. Yes. Which makes it strangely feel a lot more spacious. It does, yeah. Even though unless you're seven foot five, the ceiling height isn't really a concern. It was very high. 
I thought. Because, like, the train, when you're on the train, it can feel very claustrophobic. The seats are really close together and the ceiling is right there. Like, especially when you're actually in your seat, the seat part. Obviously, the ceiling's higher when you're in the aisle. Yeah. Um, Like, you can stand up and hit the slopey part with your head. And we're not, like, super tall people. Um, I'm barely six foot three. <laughs> but the Eurostar seat felt really quite big. Like, there was lots of space. Um, so, yeah, I felt the Eurostar journey went really quickly as well. I Yeah, I was kind of dreading it. Because it's two hours on the first train, then a 20-minute intermission between, and then another two hours and whatever on the second train. And so you've been traveling for like four or five hours, which is a long time. But going there, because there was the excitement and the uncertainty and the sense of adventure of like, are we going to do this? Are we going to pull this off? Those four hours flew by. Yeah. And I was just listening to podcasts and we watched a couple of things on your iPad. Yeah. Because we had to travel like five hours each way, that's why we added a second night. Because we were like, traveling that close together is going to feel like, A, we're not there very long, and B, it's just going to suck. Not Yeah. So we actually added a second night because of that. Um. So, yeah, so it went really quickly. I remember getting really excited, like, when your phone changed. Like, my phone, the time on my phone changed, because obviously France is, like, an hour ahead. Um, Although um, we didn't realise this beforehand. Yeah, we didn't realise it until about a week before. Yeah, because that, that, there was a time difference. Yeah, because you were like, how long does the Eurostar take? And then I was looking at the time you arrive, and, the, and there was an hour, and I was like... That's not right. Yeah, and then I realised... Then I was like, oh, is, is France like a different time zone? Anyway, so I got excited about like those types of things. You know, my phone changed. Um, it was so changed. cute watching from my perspective because you've never been outside the UK. And I totally get it. All those little things of seeing that your phone now says a French mobile network yeah. and looking out the window and seeing the French signs and, yeah. the, and the French fields. All of those little things are so cool and novel to you that I was getting to kind of re-experience that by seeing things through your eyes. Um, So, yeah. So, then we arrived, like, on time and everything. and Not that it mattered if we got there late. Um, And, yeah, so we were there. And I think at first it was very, like... I can't believe we're actually here. Like, we were in the station for, like, 20 minutes. (laughs) Trying to like just, just figure recenter out. yourself, yeah. I guess, as well. Like you're standing there, like almost with like lots of possibilities, and it's like, no, you need to just okay, you know where you're going. You need to just figure out how to get there, and it's like you know. Um, we stepped outside of the station for like one second, yeah, and there was this strange. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this. <laughs> like a little crooked house. But it's not a real house. It's no, yeah. Almost, not a statue, like an art yeah, piece. Yeah, it kind of like was like a really large statue. Yeah. Like, uh, it, because it wasn't the size of a house, but it was really big. It was big. And it was like coming up out of the ground and it was like a crooked house. And yeah, it was, it was very, very art. It was. It 
kind of matched the weird topsy-turvy mentality we had yeah, at that point where yeah. everything is kind of different and disorientating and you yeah. feel the world has become slightly askew. Yeah, so I took a few photos and then we went back inside because we weren't leaving the station. We needed to find the under the metro. Um and I realised I'd forgotten like a few things, like essential things, like cotton buds. And so when we were in the, <laughs> what <laughs> a I thing really to worry about fixated. when you get into Paris. I know, but I really fixated on this. I was like, I can't believe I forgot cotton buds because I remember thinking it's as I, I'm going to say as a female because you use cotton buds for so many things, like. Not just things you would use cotton buds for, but I use them for makeup yeah. as well. So I was like, I need the fucking cotton buds. And I really fixated on it. <clears throat> and when we were in the station, it was one of those stations where there's like shops. It wasn't just a train station. And I remember we went in and this was going to be our first instance of like, someone's going to be talking French and they're not going to speak English and we need to figure out what we need to say. And um, I remember being really super nervous about it. <laughs> what if they know I'm a foreigner in this yeah. train station where all the foreigners get in? <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it was fine. Like, we really tried to, you know, say, like, merci and bonjour and stuff. And yeah, so then we went to... Didn't we go back to the hotel? No, because we couldn't check in yet. Oh, we wanted to get something to eat... And oh, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But also, do you remember when we went down and got on the subway? Yeah, I was just trying to think. Does the Paris subway have a name like Metris, the underground, the metro? The metro. Yeah. So we got on the metro and it was crammed. Oh yeah, like really crammed. And I and this you this is me saying it as someone who used to get on the, the central line, line yeah. in London at. 8 30 in the morning yeah. and at that point you are li- when people talk about being crammed in like sardines yeah you honestly don't uh, you know discounting things like the crazy tokyo subway where people's yeah. rib cages get crushed because <laughs> they're just they push you in with broomsticks but the central line at rush hour in the morning is crazy mm. and this metro carriage we got into was super crammed i will say as well even though, in a way, the metro is the same as the underground, I found it to be shabbier. Shabbier. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. And so. I could see you pausing to try and find a diplomatic <laughs> term. And obviously, some of the lines in London are like grotty. Yeah. Like you get on something like um, the Victoria or. The Northern. One of the overground lines that are like really shit. I mean, it depends. Like, some carriages are better than yeah, others, yeah. But then you get on the circle line, which was super clean and, like, new and really Yeah, spacious. some of the carriages were new and had air conditioning and stuff like that. It was it was but very it, weird. But it wasn't fucking, like... like and the, the seats on all the underground in London, they're, like, cushioned with, like, this really thick carpety... Not that you probably should have fabric seat covers on a public transport. But it's comfortable even. It's just like a train seat. It's It's comfortable, but it's like a Petri dish for every possible virus under the sun. Yeah, but that's not my point. My point is, when we got on the metro in Paris, the seats were really small. Like, my butt almost didn't fit on it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Look at her butt. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that I was going to totally derail things, but I had to. Yeah. 
The seats were really small and really, they weren't cushioned. They were hard and very uncomfortable. It was just like the hard, shiny plastic. And yeah, it was just kind of like rickety. Like the, the yeah. it was rick, had the a rickety feel. looked like they were from the 1970s and just yeah, like they'd never, never been replaced. Yeah, yeah. But also, because I don't know if you're going to remember this, on that very first subway journey we took, on the next carriage... A group of guys were doing like a yes. rap performance in French. It was like it was like we just got there. It was I couldn't believe it. It was like something out of a movie. And they like, had like a little loudspeaker, and this guy was like dropping some mad French beat. Yeah, and another guy was like you know rapping and yeah. It, but the and it's particularly weird because everyone is like crammed in there and they are just like trying to carve out yeah, a little yeah, performance yeah. space for themselves <laughs> i tried to film a bit of it i mean i couldn't really see them but you could hear them a bit um i thought that was super fucking cool he was really going at it yeah, this guy he was. he was rapping like he was trying to get a record deal yeah. and i said to you at the time do you remember when we were on the london underground one time and a full brass Brass band band. (laughs) went through all the carriages (laughs) that was so bizarre i do remember that that was fun that's Um, the type of thing you encounter when you live in a big city but yeah i'm not like shitting on the metro like the metro is good i'm just saying it really made me super appreciate what we have in london like it's what we like, had in london you know what i mean like, not to make it all sorrowful yeah. and mournful it's the oldest like best fuck it it's like we're spoiled you know but we also have an affection for it because yeah, of the emotional significance of london for us yeah so anyway yeah so we got on the tube and the good thing i liked about it as well i mean i knew where we were going like i had like before we even got to Paris, I had like looked at our journeys. Um, I double checked them again when we were there in case there were any disruptions. I knew where we were going. So we didn't get lost one time, like on the underground. And I was very proud of that because even the London underground can be really fucking complicated for yeah. people. And so I was quite proud that I had like, I know it's such a silly thing to like but it's, pat yourself on the back for. Like you said, it's when you. an underground tunnel system it really is like a labyrinth and when most of the signs are in a different language well yeah and then also it's in french and you need to know where you're going and like even they can meet there was a couple of times where there were like two different lines next to each other and they were called the same thing but only one word was different and so i had to like keep remember that and keep that so another thing i liked is is that on the most of the tubes we got on, um, they said the name of the place out loud, like a speaker came. Not only that, but the board at the top lit up to where you were, yeah. so you could constantly keep track. Because some some of the ones we went on, we had to go like nine stops, <laughs> so you have to really keep track of which one you're which at. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you are crammed up against yeah. five random French man yeah. it seems like a long time to be trapped in those confines <clears throat> so yeah we couldn't check into our hotel for a couple of hours and we were hungry well you actually didn't know whether you were hungry at yeah. this point but i can always eat and we wanted to go to five guys now i know you might be thinking you're in paris why aren't you eating like blah, blah, blah. but we are both fussy eaters and I'm not going to like French food. And 
not because it's French. I'm just not good. I don't eat fancy food here. Like, I go a place and I eat chicken or I eat a burger. Like, it's very minimal and it's always plain. So I thought there's no point in us going to, like, a restaurant and trying to eat something we've never heard of because we know we're not going to like it. Plus, we really wanted to go to Five Guys. We don't have a Five Guys here. The problem is, if we went to a French restaurant and you drop, like, 30 euros on, like, Mm. some fancy dish, first of all, if we don't like it, we're going to be super pissed and disappointed because, you know, we're sticking to a strict budget. And second of all, especially those restaurants that don't have an English menu and the waiter doesn't speak English... For people like us who are always finding themselves in a position of wanting to say to the waiter, okay, can I get this? But I need to remove the tomatoes, the mushrooms, and can you substitute that for that? (laughs) Trying to do that with someone who doesn't speak your language is just going to end up in a headache for everyone involved. Yeah. So we said, okay, let's go eat at Five Guys. Where is there a nice Five Guys? Oh, there's one at the Champs-Élysées, which is like this long strip of like fancy stores um all leading up to the arc de triomphe right just as a strange aside i said this to you and this is one of those weird things where you you just never encounter something directly and so you Mm. have like a false idea about it i always thought that that the name of that monument was the arc de triomphe yeah. And well, that people were just saying it in like a Frenchy way. Uh, and then when we got there and you told me, no, it's actually triomphe, like a French word. Yeah. And it's weird how you can go your whole life thinking something yeah. is one way because you never have to actually like, you know, directly say it or think about it. So we just headed there because we thought, okay, it's something to look at as soon as we get here, but also we can have something to eat. And we knew it was going to be cold and, like, rainy when we were there. Um, we decided not to take our, like, really good big umbrella because we thought, oh, we don't want to have to carry this really big umbrella around. So we had taken, like, one of the little shitty ones that, like, really easily broken. And then we'd bought another one at the first French train station we ended up in. Yeah, basically we realised, oh, it's it's that kind of annoying rain where it's, like... Yeah, it's, it's annoying. Just it was a really, pitter-patter. Yeah, but it was windy. It was very windy. So it was really annoying. It also got more and more windy the longer we stayed out. Yeah. And obviously I wanted to take photos, and part of my, me taking photos was take. I took some Polaroids, and so I needed a bit of cover sometimes. And so it fell to I, yeah. the unswerving knight at your disposal, <laughs> to stand there like a statue holding an umbrella <laughs> over you. And I'm just going to say this again because I feel like if you don't already know, we are clearly telling you every second of our trip. So, <laughs> But it's only three days long, so yeah. don't worry about yeah. it. Um, it's also a good way to keep, like I was just thinking, this is actually really good because I've been thinking in my mind, I want to document every second of our trip. Like, obviously I have, like, I took like 700 photos when I was there, but the moments like should i write it down like what should i do and actually this is perfect because we're going to talk about it um but anyway. we're going to play it in 70 years for our grandkids yeah and they're going to be like gramps what do you mean what's an mp3 gramps can you play it on the hollow player <laughs> and we're like no little johnny back then we didn't have holograms little Johnny. um yeah so we got there 
straight away was like, here's Dior. Like, that's the first thing you see when you, like, leave the metro station. Um, Basically, if you're looking to spend, like, 700 euros on a handbag, this is the street of shops for you. Yeah, it was like Regent Street in London. It was basically like that. So... The streets were really wide, though, like super wide, like the pavements were wide and then the road was wide. Um, And as we found out crossing the street, Paris is kind of (sighs) unique in that the cars don't really stop. No. And they also don't really, they don't stop at the traffic lights, really. And they also don't really stop if you're crossing the road. Yeah, so. Which is just absolute fucking madness. I had read about this um, beforehand. And I didn't know, you know, when people say things like, like, is it just this one person's experience or is it actually true? Watch out for pickpockets in Oxford Circus. Yeah. Like, and it's like, I've never met anyone <laughs> who ever encountered a pickpocket. Wow. But I'm sure they do exist, yeah, of obviously. Yeah, of course they do. Also, but people was... say it like, you are going to get pickpocketed if you go to London. Yeah, I read so much about like how crime is really high in Paris and like the pickpocketers and the different type of scams and stuff. And I read so much about it, like everywhere you looked online, people were talking about it, that I started to think, is it worse there than it is in London then? Or is it just the thing that everyone says about major cities? Um, So I did freak myself out a little bit. Like I was very strict with you about where you were putting your wallet and your phone because you would have been easy to pickpocket in terms of where you placed your stuff. You actually opened an incision on my (laughs) chest cavity slid the passports in and then sewed it up with a quick suture you gotta keep them protected you know? and then whenever we needed it you just like ripped it open with your bare hands you had one of those rib spreaders that morticians use when they're doing an autopsy just when i think you've okay you took it to a level you take it to another level they call me ryan another level finch yeah sure that was my name when i was in the <laughs> underground beatbox scene in new york city oh my god do you play hacky sack in the beatbox scene. Yeah. I feel like you're crossing... See that they go together. You, you're mixing hippies on some yeah, yeah, rich kind of. Ivy League campus and hip-hop heads Whatever. from, you know, The visual the went projects. together in my mind, all right? Um, okay, so... <laughs> like a delayed reaction to what you were saying. <laughs> So we get there and it's like really fancy and nice, but like super raining and stuff. And straight away, I knew I wanted to get like some touristy bits for like family and obviously myself. Like I wanted like something that was like Parisy, you know. So we did that first because we saw a couple of like touristy like stands. And then we basically walked up Champs-Élysées like really slowly. We didn't really go into many shops. Something we noticed... Because they don't even do this in London. So it must just, I don't know, like, it's strange. But something we noticed is all these shops, there was, like, a guy at the door with, like, a handheld metal detector. Checking your bag and before you, had you to, get in. Well, checking you. And then if you had a bag, you had to also open your bag so they can see inside. Um, and these guys were everywhere. Yeah, they were every, the doors of every shop. Even if it was, like... Whether it was like Dior or um, just some random a sports shop or shopping like, mall, yeah, it was everywhere. So 
Part of why we didn't go in is because we had a suitcase still. Yeah. So we didn't really go go in. And, and I can't we, tell you how fun it was having to drag that around. It was because, just a little one, listeners, though. I was the designated pack mule yeah, for were. this segment of our travels. I had this... It was relatively small. And, and it had like four wheels. Yeah. So you didn't have to pull it. You so I'm just... dragging this suitcase and I also have our giant black backpack backpack yeah. which is like crammed full of stuff <laughs> originally you were like let's just take the backpack do you remember we could have no we couldn't have because when i started packing the suitcase was brimming right brimming. but if you choose to pack minimalistly then you don't end up with that much stuff if you yeah. choose to pack knowing that you have four different containers for stuff to go in you're going to put four different containers worth of stuff in but i realized just my accessories in terms of like makeup and then like toiletries and like jewelry and like hair accessories just all of that took up lots of spaces and then i obviously want to have a different outfit for each thing whereas you're just like let's just change my t-shirt like so minimalist other things listeners. no you know what i mean Jesus. but minimalist for me is different to minimalist for yeah, you yeah that's true i did go minimally not minimalist not as sure. minimalist as i could have but i did try to not go crazy um anyway so we just like walked up we're looking around like I was, like, you know, excited about certain things. Like, for instance, there's a Sephora, which is, like, an American, um, like, makeup department store that we don't have here in the UK. Is this, like, the mecca of makeup? Yeah. So, and, they, and I knew they would have brands that we don't have here. And so I was very excited to go to that at some point. And, um, yeah, so we basically just made our way up the Champs-Élysées. But and just before we got to the Arc de Triomphe, yeah. First of all, we- yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you forgot this because this is like I did forget this. one of the things that oh really lodged gosh. in my memory. Okay, go. So we had it. two of those little folding umbrellas. Yeah, we had our own, and then we bought one. Our own one, which was, to be frank, already quite wonky and falling apart. In the inclement weather, we found ourselves in the gusts like very quickly turned it inside out a bunch of times yeah totally like ruined it and, and we hadn't even got up the shops yeah. easy yet we were like halfway up when this happened and so you were goading me to throw it away to just find a trash can and throw one of our umbrellas away and i was just thinking no i'll just keep turning it back right way yeah. and i'll just keep using it but eventually i think we did throw it away because then yeah, we, we both did eventually we both ended up walking arms linked underneath the other little umbrella we'd bought in paris and then literally as we're like maybe 50 feet away from getting to the end of this street and being in position to take photos of the the i said to you it's a good thing that we brought this other umbrella right and just as the last syllable was being uttered from my presumptuous (laughs) mouth a thunderous gust of wind, like a real gale force <laughs> blast, totally just like almost took us, like almost knocked us off balance. Yeah. And as it roared past us, it just destroyed this little umbrella. Yeah. It didn't just turn it inside out. It snapped it. snapped it. like so many of the, the metal poles. And we were just looking at each other like, 
I can't believe that just happened. That just that was we couldn't even have made that up. Like that was perfect, and we were just staring at each other. Like I can't. Perfect's a this. relative term when you're in the rain without yeah, an umbrella. Of not course, not perfect, good, but like you know, it was crazy. And so then we threw that umbrella away. <laughs> God, it was so... And we were, like, wishing we'd bought our really good, sturdy... I really wish The umbrella we have is, like, a really fancy one from, like, a London, like, hat and umbrella shop that's really, like... I'm going like... to call out my friend Nahida because yeah. she gifted it to me for my birthday. And it is... It's one of those umbrellas you feel like you could sword fight with. Yeah, it's really Or fancy. fight off a band of ninjas. Yeah, I wish we'd have took it now. Because it's so sturdy. And when you... When it's open all the way... There's no way it's turning inside out no, from the wind. No. But of course, we were like, yeah. we don't want to have to carry We've it everywhere. We've already got two bags and a suitcase. Let's, you know. Well, we didn't think it was going to rain as much as it actually did. Well, not that, but I thought we'd be fine with like our hats and hoods because we both had like hats on. I had like my cute Hello Kitty hat and you had your beanie and you had a hood and I had a hood. So I just thought it's going to be all right. Like I, I tried to... Yeah. Not think about it too much. We are also the type of people who actually like being yeah, in so the rain. Yeah, so it's not like a big deal. But, but the uh, problem is, in your mind, you romanticize it as, oh, we're going to be strolling yeah. along these Paris streets in the light, gentle rain. And then when the wind is like whipping the, the rain yeah. into your eyes as you're trying to battle your way <laughs> up along this street. And it's freezing. Oh, it was so cold that it first day. It felt colder in france than it did does here like it the climate is like cold like i had my overcoat on i had my gloves on my hat my scarf a hoodie and as you were telling me to stand still for the photo i was like actually shivering, shivering yeah um so yeah so we got to the arc de triomphe and if you don't know yeah it's this like massive massive archway and it's not i thought it was just going to be at the end and you're there but actually the arc de triomphe itself is surrounded by a like roundabout road like a six lane road six, yeah and so you're at the end of the street and then there's loads of cars and then there's a triumph and i was like how do we get across there? Imagine a castle on a little island yeah. with a moat around it. <laughs> That's what it's like. And there's no... There's no traffic lights. There's no obvious, like, crossing for you to get across. Yeah. Not that it fucking mattered anyway, because we'd already realised at this point that the thing that I had seen online about cars not stopping when the light's on red is true. Yeah. If you had tried to dash across that six-lane yeah. roundabout... You would have been dead four times over before you even got yeah. halfway. And at this point, we were so cold and my feet had already started. My feet, like, I'm not like a big walker. And so my feet hurt really quickly. I'd obviously, I'd been going on the treadmill to try and, like, get my stamina up, like, every other day, like, before the trip. Playing but the nothing, Rocky music. But, dun, it, dun, dun, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. but nothing is like the actual thing. Plus, I had to wear my boots, which have a slight heel, because if I'd have worn any of the other footwear I had, my feet would have got soaked, and I'm just not about that. So, <laughs> I'm not about that wet foot life. Looking back, and if we go on another trip, I will be investing in some kind of leather high top so that my feet can stay dry, but that I've got completely yeah. flat shoes. Because that was like, looking back now, you decide not to do things because your feet hurt so much and i regret that 
I mean, it wasn't like a huge thing. I didn't. Yeah, like, it didn't really come up. I that didn't much. cut out like massive things I wanted to do, but I definitely got like impatient and grumpy at times because my feet hurt so much. Because by the end of it, we had done loads of walking. But anyway, so we're at the looking at the art tree. I've, I've already taken like take a picture of you in front of it, take a picture of me in front of it. Let's try and take a selfie. Like with it behind us, and if I know you, you may not end up ever seeing these photos, listeners. But the photo of me, I look like I'm in the middle of like a thunderstorm. <laughs> I'm like trying to keep my eyes open for a split second so she can take the photo, <laughs> but the wind is just like yeah. blasting you in the face with this rain, and it's cold, and you're just standing amongst yeah. a throng of other tourists desperately trying to get yeah. an unimpeded sightline of their friend and the monument yeah yeah like at first i was very like i'm gonna try and do it when there's as least people around as possible and when there's a gap in the traffic but you've just got to do there's take never a it gap because, in the traffic. because it's so it's like being in london there's always going to be people and things in your photos um so we did that, and then we said, let's try and get across there, because we saw people underneath it. You could obviously get across there, right? So we start walking around thinking that maybe further round there's, like, a better way to get across. And so we go around a bit, and we see, like, the tunnel to go down, as if to go to, like, the London Underground. And I'm like, no, that's to go back to the Metro. But it said Arc de Triumph on it. yeah. And the Arc de Triumph is right there across the street. So we thought, well, it must be telling you how to come up out yeah. underneath the Arc de Triumph. So we went under this tunnel and we walked all the way around. I'm like, why is it taking so long? And eventually we come out and we're not across the street at the Arc de Triumph. We're further away from we're it. We're further away from than it originally. than we originally saw So it's just there, like... You must 50 feet to, away, yeah. taunting us with its unattainableness. Mm. I'm thinking, is there some kind of jetpack service that takes <laughs> you over all the traffic? I still, to this day, do not know how you get there. People obviously just walk across through the... Like, they they walk across without traffic lights. But I said to you, we've got the case, so we can't, like, run across. I just didn't think it's not I, worth it was the worth risk. it. It wasn't worth it. My theory at this point is the people we saw over there have actually been there for generations they never leave <laughs> they just keep reproducing and reproducing <laughs> and pretend they dress up as tourists yeah. to pretend that they got over there somehow but really it's a community that have been there for for decades and centuries really <laughs> it worked out fine though because wasn't it under there that i bought that fan yeah, when it was at one of the underground. Yeah, there was like another stall, and I, I'm very obsessed with like you know those handheld like folding fans. I'm yeah. like have like a bunch of those, and I really wanted to get like a Paris one. I don't know if you buying that touristy fan means that it quote unquote worked out okay. It was worth you. That's exact, those are the exact words you said to me when I said I can't believe it's taken us further away and you were like yeah but you were able to get the fan. That's what I call false consolation in the moment. Okay. Well you can't now d say that that's I can retract it. No you cannot. It's now null and void. It's cute because I just took a look at our fridge and since we got home we have like we were definitely people that like had like family photos and stuff like magneted to the fridge not a word but well, sure 
But now we've like taken those all down and we've covered it in like the postcards and stuff that we got from various. We got places. some really cool artistic postcards. Yeah, and also we put up a couple of Polaroids I took from Paris. So anyway, so I just was gazing at that as we were talking about it. So after that, we'd kind of just given up on doing any more sightseeing. Yeah, we were definitely hungry by then, and we went to the Five Guys. Oh. oh gosh oh okay first of all oh golly miss molly the queues were so long they were oh my god we ordered what we wanted the woman spoke a little bit of english you've got to talk about this woman because we saw her yeah she twice. was there the second time we actually got her the same woman the second time we went she was not like i was i just said what i wanted she was very confused by the fact that we each didn't want anything on our burgers. Like I, you just said want... just plain, and she scrunched up her face like you had said something inexplicable. Yeah, and at first she thought I was saying all of it. Yeah, and I said no, nothing, and she was like none, and she was very like shocked. Her by eyes this. were wide. And then, what is this foreign heresy? <laughs> and then I don't know if she thought I was American, which I know I've spoke about before that some people do think I am for some inexplicable I don't know reason. Why? But she, when I said one drink. Um, because you don't get drinks usually. She went, no refills, no free refills. And that's like an American thing that they are confused when sure. there's no free refills. And um, Not that there's any way they can stop you from getting refills. I know, because it's just a machine. And yeah, I mean, especially when it's busy, no one is going to know that you haven't gone up to get a second drink. I feel like I need to take over the story here. Go on. Because at the end of us oh, paying... Yeah. And this woman was nice. Like, we're not trying to paint her as... She was being, like, friendly, but yeah, she, she was... was yeah. yeah, At the end of it, she said a French number. And she said it in a very, like, emphasizing it. Yeah, you need she was to telling us this. how to say it. And I didn't... I was, like, very kind of, you know, looking around, keeping an eye on the people around us. Mm. I, when I'm out, I'm very kind of... You're, like, hyper-aware. You're hyper I'm very vigilant. vigilant. And so I wasn't really paying attention. Because I thought she was just saying, like, I don't know. I can't really recall. You, know, you might not have registered in the moment that you ne- needed to say the number later I was on. At the time, I don't think I realised she was saying a number. Yeah, because it was a three-digit number. And so she was saying it in three yeah. different words. So she said these French words. I think maybe she was just... I, f- I think in the moment, I hazily thought that she was trying to teach you like a french word related to what whatever you were talking about with her <laughs> because i wasn't listening very well yeah. so anyway you're like i'm gonna go upstairs grab us a table because it was so full i yeah. thought maybe there weren't gonna be any seats and then i went over to where the other customers are kind of congregating around this serving what's the word i'm thinking of ledge counter yeah serving counter and ledge <laughs> So you go out on the on the end of this <laughs> on the ledge. Burger ledge. It's the fourth story. <laughs> they say you have to take a leap of faith or you don't get the burger. It's like um, Indiana Jones yeah. in the Last Crusade, where he has to just take the leap of faith. Otherwise, he doesn't get a burger from Five Guys. That's not what happened. Unless the burger mm. is symbolic representation of the Holy Grail. Which for us, it kind of is. The burgers are fucking good. Best burger I've ever had. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, I would say maybe. Because that place we went to in London, the diner, it's called. That burger was really good. But anyway, we digress. Yeah. 
So Samantha has left me to my own devices and I'm <coughs> waiting. And then every so often a guy would come up to the counter and he would shout out something in French to the people there. It was also really loud. It was the very music loud. on there was so loud. But I don't know why they had the music up yeah. because they have to shout out your number. They should have just had like it should have been a, a screen, board. yeah, a screen that flashes up the number. And at this point, I'm like super confused why this guy coming shouting <laughs> some random French phrase and then someone comes up and grabs their order. And I quickly realized he was shouting numbers and that I hadn't picked up on and sufficiently remembered the one that I was supposed to remember. And so every so often he would shout one and no one would come up and I would kind of sheepishly <laughs> walk over and show him my receipt where the number was and he'd be like, no, not yet. And then I'd walk back and then he'd do it again and I'd go up and he'd be like, no, soon, not yet. And I was just so embarrassed that I got, because I'm very, I'm very sensitive to like awkward social yeah. situations and so it's just like oh can i get this order and leave already he must have known though that you just didn't know what the numbers meant and so you were checking is that my number is yeah. that my number rather than going up and saying it's got to be me by now hurry up like <laughs> i'm assuming he's yeah. not going to take it like eventually that. i went up one time and he gave it to me and i just left yeah. and i was like let's not do that again because that was unfun that was like the best meal I've had almost ever. You know why? Because... <laughs> Bury the lead, why don't you? Because we'd had, like, no sleep. We worried about the travel. Then we travelled for five hours. Then we finally got there. Then we spent a couple of hours in the freezing rain and the wind. And then we get into, like, the really warm five guys and we sit down for the first time in several hours and we eat the meal and it's like, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. Like, that's how good it was. The burgers are superb. Yeah, they are. Whatever way you could it. And the fries... I don't know how it's they're they... so potatoey. They're not like what a weird no, adjective you know what to I mean? use for fries. Like when you get like the frozen fries from a supermarket, they're so removed from like yeah, I see what potato ness. These taste like spuds. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like they have a very spuddy taste. Stop saying that. Well, it's the best way to describe <laughs> but it. But it's also they cook it in like peanut oil or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And it gives it a very kind of like subtle like mellow flavor yeah um they also don't like completely shellac it with salt whereas a lot of fast food places will just all you can taste is salt your fries so much so yeah that meal was so good and we were in a position where we just needed a hot meal yeah because it was so cold we were so hungry it was good man but it, it was really good and as we left they actually had a what's the word i'm thinking of not a notice board oh yeah no it was it was like a cork board where you could write like with crayon yeah you could write little cute. notes about how good your burger was uh, or whatever and we did write and we one. left one yeah because it was cute so for those few weeks we were immortalized uh, on the five guys notice board. and we went back the next day because we went back to the same place yeah. not just the same five like it was the exact same five guys and no it was still there anyway if you can imagine yeah well you know um so many people go through there i wouldn't have been surprised if it wasn't there anymore so yeah we left there and we headed to the hotel 
the hotel was like super nice i mean obviously we had like done it we i feel like we are just i mean a lot of people are like this it's not like i'm saying we're like special snowflakes but we were very much like i don't want to stay somewhere even remotely grotty because it's not going to make me not want to sleep on the bed sheets like we are just very particular i guess the type of place where you want to sleep in a sleeping bag inside (laughs) the bed so we had managed to find like a four-star hotel only two miles from like the Eiffel Tower. Reasonably priced, we, reasonably not too priced. crazy. So we got there and the tube station was like on the same street as the hotel. So it was really close. And check-in went really well. Like they spoke um, English, so that was easy enough. Samantha was flirting with the female check-in yeah, worker. I guess. Um she was like, "Oh, your hair looks so amazing." And you were like, <sighs> "Oh, I don't know. I don't do anything to it really." Twiddling your hair around your fingers. No. Remember the guy as well and he was like, "Is this the first time in Paris?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was very excited for us that sure. it was like our first time. Um you'd think you would have gotten used to that by now. Yeah. I know, they must obviously just be able to, like, fake that for every guest, but, like, yeah. So the hotel was really nice and pleasant. We got up to our room. It was so, like, just nice and nice It was just, to like, a, a nice standard hotel room. Yeah. And we stayed there not, not very long. Is that when we went, we went over to the the... Like mini supermarket thing. Yeah, there was a supermarket opposite. We grabbed a couple of things there. Yeah, because we were wanting to get a few things. I found it very exciting going into like a French (laughs) shop just to see like the differences of things. Like obviously there there was some stuff that was the same, but like... I thought the milk selection was pretty weird. Yeah, we wanted to get some milk so we could have some hot drinks like tea. And they... Almost had no milk whatsoever. Yeah. And the milk that they did have, I was very suspicious of it because I couldn't read the label. We tried to use the um, Google Translate app where you point the camera at it and it auto-translates. But what I quickly realized is if you point it at any text that has a it's like a talis- unusual it's like, font, yeah. it can't read the letters. It can't read it now. So it's only really useful for posters and street signs and stuff yeah. like that. But anyway, we took a chance on this strange French milk and it turned out fine. What I found really weird as well is like when you get milk here, like it is usually a bigger, but like it's four pints yeah. you get. Whereas like these were like really small. Yeah. They were like little dainty yeah. bottles. And maybe of it's milk. just because it was like a mini supermarket and not like an actual supermarket. It but wasn't it that small, though. Small. Yeah, it wasn't. But anyway. Anyway. We know that you're fascinated by I the know. idiosyncrasies no, but, of French supermarkets. But I really was fascinated by these types of things. Um, so, yeah. So then, what do we do? Oh, I had said that we want... Obviously, like, a huge thing that most people want to see when they go to Paris is the Eiffel Tower. And I had said that... I really want to see it both in the day and the night. So if we go to it um, just before it gets dark, we can we can do that. We can see it in the day and the night. But it was it get it at that time. It was getting starting to get dark at like half past four. Um, I mean, it was already like half three, something to four, and I just knew we weren't going to make it. Our it feet was were hurting. Be, yeah, it was going to be really rushed. So we decided to do that on the second day 
instead of the first day like I had actually planned. So we kind of just made a strategic retreat back to the hotel room. Yeah, so we stayed in the hotel longer than we would have. We really kind of relaxed, got changed and everything. We and put, then the French TV channels were very yeah. amusing. We watched Grey's Anatomy in French. I feel like I have to say the thing I said about Grey's Anatomy already yeah. to you, which basically, so, okay, so Grey's Anatomy is an American show. It was dubbed in French. So there's all these French voices. Now, anyone who watches Grey's Anatomy knows, like, for instance, um, if you're not familiar with the show, it's basically about a bunch of super good-looking trainee doctors fucking each other and occasionally dying in super unlikely dramatic scenarios. Yeah, they do kind of, like, die a lot towards, like, the halfway through and then to, like, the end. Someone's always dying. It's like, why is this hospital so dangerous? It's not a field hospital in Afghanistan. It's in <laughs> a major US city. Anyway, so anyone who watches the show with the real actors' voices knows that, like, certain characters have types of ways about them, like Bailey or the Chief. Anyone knows the show, they will they know They have a I feel mean. to them. And so watching it with the French dubs, they have, like, this really, like, high-pitched kind of dainty person's voice, voicing Bailey. And yeah. I'm like... It's not getting across the same, it's not getting across her personality yeah. in a way that it needs to because it's a completely different voice. And so I was like, I wonder what, how experiencing the characters like that only, whether you'd, like your feeling about the show would maybe be completely different. Yeah. Maybe you dislike or like certain characters more or less because of that. I just find it fascinating, okay? I hadn't, like, really yeah. ever watched anything like Basically, that. Basically, what we ended up doing for almost all the time we were in the hotel room, we found one of the TV channels that was just called... A radio station? Yeah, it was just called the Jazz Channel, <laughs> and it played jazz. <laughs> and so we just left we just that left on that most on, of the yeah. time we were in the hotel room. So, And I've got to say, some of those tracks were not jazz. <laughs> yeah, you They would sometimes just drop random yeah. R&B and... Whatever. You kept saying that. Every now and then you'd come out of the bathroom or you'd be doing something and you'd go, this is not jazz, by the way. Because the <laughs> when I turned it on, it was playing like this really awesome, classic, bluesy jazz. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is great background music. And so I thought it was going to be like a great mm. thing to have on. And then it would just be like a complete... It was miss. Yeah. It was just whatever they could find, I guess. Yeah. So a predicament that we found ourselves in and something i did know before we went is that certain days of the week in paris things are closed like for instance a lot of shit is closed on mondays and we got there on a monday yeah and originally we weren't going to go on a monday like the dates i had planned out was like wednesday thursday friday but because when we actually ended up booking things had to change a bunch of times really quickly like in order to like sync up with the deal we got on the Eurostar but also sync up when my mum could come and look after Rudy like it changed so that we could only go on those days so I knew that we were going to come across this thing of like certain things being closed um and all the museums were closed at that time as well that late in the day and also just sometimes they're closed on Mondays so we ended up doing something we hadn't planned which was 
there's this like huge um like tower in Montparnasse which is where we stayed Montparnasse is like a really kind of like great district in Paris and um there's like a it's like kind of like a you know if anyone's familiar with like the walkie-talkie building in London it's basically like an office building but as you get to the top because it's such a high building and you get to see such a great view of the city when you get to the top there's like restaurants and shops and stuff and it was one of those and we hadn't planned to go up it but because it was one of the only things that was basically open at that time we decided to go up it and it was like one of the best things we did on the trip <laughs> i think in the end yeah like, if you can imagine yeah the place was really like it was a two minute walk from our hotel although we did end up getting an uber because it was raining and it was late but um yeah we went up here there's just like this the bit that we went up there was like a gift shop and like a cafe and then you can just basically sit and look yeah. out at paris all the walls are windows yeah so you have like a full 360 degree panorama of the city outside yeah. i think there is a higher level which is the roof but i don't know if it's because of the time of day or because it was raining that it was closed um well it's not like 20 more feet of elevation is yeah, going to change no, the yeah. view um but it was really amazing. It was amazing. It was truly, truly amazing. The Eiffel Tower was right there. like. And there wasn't that many people up no. there with us either. I mean, at one point, a big group of people came up, but they were only up there for like minutes. and then they It was left. one of those kind of like groups of tourists yeah, yeah, being yeah. led by a touristy type agency. Yeah, yeah. And we had kind of got in a little corner to ourselves because there was like a there weren't many seats do you yeah remember? and then we found like a little love seat and we had like the perfect view of the eiffel tower mm. and all the stuff there and as is the case with any big city at night with all the lights glittering in the darkness it's just a spectacular view yeah. and to see that the eiffel tower so clearly and from such a great height when it starts doing its hourly light show yeah. it's just absolutely spectacular it was just so beautiful and amazing and we just basically just sat there the whole time just like we sat there out. for quite a while yeah we did it was so pretty and so nice and i was just like i can't believe we're here it was so amazing it was just so relaxing like yeah. we would just sit there not even sometimes not even saying anything to each other just staring out at this cityscape it was so pretty I can't believe we almost didn't do that because I knew about that um, beforehand. But I thought because we had we knew we weren't going to go up the Eiffel Tower um, for several reasons, really. Um, one, when you're up it, you can't see the Eiffel Tower because you're Indian, <laughs> and two, it's not that tall. Yeah, and it costs a lot of money. The queues are always long, so I thought. We're not really interested in going up it. Plus, I do have a fear of heights. So sometimes things like that is dodgy for me. And I wasn't quite sure what it would be like. Whereas the tower is a bit more, I don't know. Well, you're in an inside you're elevator. In it, yeah. You're not necessarily like. And how on fast the edge. was that elevator? Yeah. It, was it really takes fast. you up like 40 stories in 60 yeah. seconds. It's crazy. But then. Obviously, when we didn't know what we were going to do because of the time and stuff, the tower thing just, like, jumped out. It really it worked like out really, perfectly. Yeah, it was amazing. And you took about four zillion photos while we were up there. I did, yeah. 
It was your wet dream, basically. It was. It was so good. Oh, my God. Even the gift shop was really good. Do you remember? We ended up buying a bunch of stuff from the gift shop. Another umbrella, because you know. Oh, God. So if you're keeping track, (laughs) listeners, this will be our third umbrella. (laughs) I was saying, what's the point in continuously buying these small umbrellas? Because they always break. But it got to a point where it was just raining so much. It was like... We had to have an umbrella, so you don't really have a choice. And when you stop and want to pull out your Polaroid cameras, there needs to be an umbrella to keep you dry. So... And they're only like five euros, so... I know. Whatever. A little bit annoying as well. Anyway, so that was basically it for our, like, first first day. day. After that, we went back to the hotel... And um yeah. You know what was just... weird about our hotel room, if you remember? It was had one of those weird things where you open a door in the wall and it's a another uh, door yeah. and it's to the next hotel room. room. So I guess if you were like renting them as people who knew each other, you could just leave yeah, those like doors a open. Or whatever. But I really didn't like it. I didn't like because it. Because that's like some horror movie yeah. type you you wake up in the middle of the night and it's slowly creaking open. Yeah. I actually kind of forgot, strangely, forgot about it and it didn't bother me, but I, I could tell it really bothered you. <laughs> there was like this big chair next to it and I kind of we like pushed, propped it yeah. up against the handle as if I was trying to, I don't know, not keep a SWAT that, team out. Not that it would have actually stopped anyone coming in because it wasn't that big. But yeah, but it would have given me an extra few better. seconds yeah, of yeah, yeah. jumping out of bed, getting into my Kung Fu stance. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that was our first day. It was really good. I was thoroughly exhausted. By the by time my day. head hit the pillow, I mean, I, I could have slept for like 24 hours. Yeah. I loved that hotel bed. The bed was so wide, like so wide. I could spread out, really spread out, and I still wasn't touching you. And it just felt like I want this bed in my house. It there was, was also so these giant square pillows, <laughs> like giant. I had, like, been such a geek before we went to Paris. I was, like, watching videos of, like, the differences between France and the UK. Here's what you can expect. And I remember one of them was most people's pillows, or people here anyway, the pillows that you sleep on, they're, like, oblongs, right? Rectangles. Rectangles, yeah. And, um... The person in the video was saying how, like, in France, that everyone sleeps with these massive, like, square pillows. And not, like, square, the same size as the oblong, but square. But, like, doubly as big. Like, really thick. And really thick and wide. And um, I had totally forgot about seeing that. And then when we got to the hotel, that's what the pillows were like. And it was really weird. We ended up taking them off the bed because they were... Yeah, because so there was, high. There was one regular pillow. Yeah. And then there was like one square pillow, and it was like, why? I used mine. I liked it. But yeah, so we had a great night's sleep and then woke up the next day. We didn't have like breakfast at the hotel or anything no. because A, I didn't really think I would like it, plus it was very, very expensive. So we is that when we went to we found like a little bakery and we me <coughs> <coughs> It's okay? I'm joking to death. <coughs> Are you okay? Have I transferred my cough to you? <coughs> Fucking hell. Oh, man. Almost died. That was like choking on air. Yeah, it's it, weird how you can just be yeah. sitting. I wasn't even like taking a breath no, in, but my body was just like, your time's <laughs> up, Ryan. 
It's time to meet the Grim Reaper. So, yeah. Yeah, we... I particularly wanted to eat a fresh-baked French croissant Mm. and some fresh-baked French bread. So, we wanted to find a, like, real... Not, like, a chain bakery. bakery, But, like, a real... But, like, a real independent bakery. bakery. And so, we... Googled it as as one does, and there were several near the hotel, yeah. so we just picked one. And the one we went to was like really nice. Mm. It was like small, but the staff were like very smiley and friendly. Yeah. I remember looking at this because I decided I was just going to get a sandwich because I don't like croissants and um, I didn't like any of the other pastry type things that they had. So I thought maybe we'll just get like a sandwich. Um, and I was looking at the sandwiches, and obviously it was all in French. And so I was there with the translate picture thing, trying to translate the ingredients of each sandwiches. And then the woman was just like, can I help you? Because you <laughs> never I, want to assume that they speak English. Yeah. And, and I also, de- like, did a, as, as I wanted to elicit as little as possible. Good God, s- woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do a take two of this sentence. As little as possible, I wanted to be like... Do you speak English? Can you help me? I wanted to try and do it myself. But you don't then, want to be the annoying tourist. Yeah, but there wasn't anyone in there. And she was just looking at me and she was like, can I help you? And so I was like, oh, okay, do you have anything with ham? <laughs> because I couldn't. It was a dose sandwich where you can't really see inside. So I couldn't really try and guess what the ingredients were. So we had breakfast and then we. I had a croissant and it was so good. I'm not like a huge, huge fan of croissants. I do like them. But. It was very, very rich, very fresh. Like, it was really, really good. Yeah, you really enjoyed that croissant. It was and really good. And it's so good. cheap, so it was just like one euro. Like, for some reason, I thought a French croissant in France would be expensive, but yeah. it wasn't. It was just like getting one here. Um, so, yeah, so then we got the Metro. Where do we go from there? Where did we go? See, this is the weird thing. Obviously, we wanted to do this podcast when we got back when it was all fresh in our mind yeah. but then samantha was stricken with the i was the winter bug oh my god where did we go um i can just consult my photos i can just consult my itinerary <laughs> it's really just like left my brain why don't you just open your leather travel journal check the entry yeah. for 11 a.m on the second day it's so funny i Briefly did a little bit of makeup shopping as well in that department store, do you remember? Oh, yeah. Not Sephora. I found another department store that had, like, a cool... And this was literally just, like, a department store yeah. that had a makeup nook, yeah. like a section. Oh, yeah. From... <laughs> <laughs> a little light bulb went off yeah. above your head. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. So from there, we went to Rodin's sculpture studio. It's actually um, like a sculpture garden, in yeah. a sense. And then there's also like a museum. So we went there, and that was amazing. I was like really excited about that because I am I'm really into like sculptures and statues. And it was one of the things I was looking forward to the most. Um yeah. It was really amazing to walk around outside and see these like giant the one where it was the doors of hell. The gates of hell. Yeah. And it's like this 25 foot huge sculpture 
with all these little individual figures and little scenes on it. Mm. And it's so elaborate and intricate and you can walk all around it and see like the, it's just the amazing little minute details and to stand outside and to be looking at it yeah. is, is very affecting. And they're not just like carved in, they're like carved out. There's like bodies yeah. sticking out and it's really intense and like crazy. Yeah, this looking. is not, I don't know what I'm trying to say. What are you trying to say? Sculptures of cherubs. Yeah, and no. Woodland. It's like bodies like dying. Fairies. And being like sucked into hell and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we walked around the actual museum, which was like, there was like a couple of floors. It was like, it was just, there was just so much to look at. And at one point there was like, because um, it was everything he's ever done and then there were a couple of other artists working there as well um, at one point do you remember that room we went in where it was just on this side there's just like a board of heads and on this side there's like a board of hands and on this side there's a board of feet and it was like it kind of looked like a serial killer's trophy room <laughs> there was just like a huge <laughs> taking up a whole wall would just be like a plaque with <laughs> marble arms just attached to it all over (laughs) and they really did look like dismembered yeah they did body parts (laughs) but in stone that was cool it was very strange yeah that was that was my problem with it honestly because there were some really amazing pieces and then there was just mismatched the type of museum that picks a guy to focus on and then wants to show you everything Everything he has ever done even when he was like 14 in a sketchbook i just said mismatched crap i don't mean it's crap i meant like here it's just like we have an extra room let's put all his mistakes there would be like half finished statues like four of them i found that kind of amazing but also obviously at a certain point it's like it's interesting to see the progression but when you've when it's like a whole room of half finished artwork you start to feel like I, I'd rather just you put more focus on the individual main pieces. Yeah. But the distinctive signature piece, which I was interested in, I know you had like your opposite one, the Finca, oh, which yeah. was outside, which if you haven't seen it or you, it doesn't instantly spring to mind, is that classic statue of a man sitting, pondering with his chin on his fist. Yeah, and that was pretty amazing to see. That is really a very impressive statue. Yeah. The one I was most excited to see was the kiss, uh, which is very famous. I mean, you've probably seen it without knowing you've seen it. Like, that's how famous it is. Um, and naturally, because we're basic <laughs> bitches, we took a selfie of us kissing in front of it. How imaginative. I can hear you whispering into the earphones i don't fucking give a shit that was amazing like and oppositely in front of the finca samantha prodded me (laughs) and coaxed me into doing my own finca pose yeah of course we are those tourists by the way exactly yeah and i don't care like obviously like when we lived in london i remember i would i was always constantly taking photos and a part of me didn't want to look like a tourist because i actually lived there but being in Paris, I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, I am a tourist. You know I'm a tourist. You know I've come here to take pictures. I'm going to take pictures and do silly shit in front of stuff because that's what you do. Talking of taking pictures, several times throughout our time in Paris, 
someone tried to take like a sneaky snap of you and your pink hair. Do you remember? Yeah. What's yeah. up with that? Yeah, I don't Why know. Why do people think that is at all okay? Yeah. And also, how infinitely depressing is it that you live in Paris, <laughs> one of the most exciting, diverse cities in the world with all these wondrous spectacles, and a girl walks down the street past you with pink hair and you stop and take a photo? Like, how mundane and colourless must your really? life be for that to be a photo mm. opportunity we didn't see anyone with neon hair though do you remember i saw someone with not on the first day yeah. i remember saying to you on the first day i've not seen one single person with neon hair yeah and then i think on the second or last day i saw someone with neon hair um but it, it was kind of shocking how much you don't see that like obviously as well we were just in like the touristy places but yeah, it, it did kind of make me feel like I did stand out a bit more. But I did have a hat on most of the time as well. But you did. You can still see me. It hair. was a Hello Kitty yeah, hat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like a bright white furry Hello Kitty hat. With pink bows on it. So it's not exactly making you blend in, is it? <laughs> that's true. Makes you even more conspicuous. Yeah, well. Not that that's a problem, obviously. So yeah, the sculpture garden was a great experience. Mm. That's why we got some of our postcards as well. Like, I wanted to get some stuff from the gift shop, but they didn't. I wanted to get something of the kiss, like maybe like a small statue, but they didn't have anything that was like small enough or like as in inexpensive. They had like hundred euros for a big statue of it, but it's like I don't, I don't want that. How are we gonna take it home? I wouldn't take it home. So we just got like a few postcards. Um, but the postcards are kind of cool. They're like print, like they're not like shitty, like little. They're like small prints. But I feel like you're missing the most important yeah, I part. Know. The the postcards we got, which were reproductions of the kiss and the finger, are those weird, like scratchy, three D. Yeah, images are, where yeah. if you tilt the image, it shows you a different vantage of yeah. the picture. I thought that was cute. So yeah, those are on our fridge right now. And then where did we go from there? We took the met. We took the metro basically everywhere because most things were not like oh walk across the street and you're there. They were like you had to go like nine stops to get there. So from there we went to Notre Dame which is basically in the Latin Quarter. And the Latin Quarter was somewhere I knew we could walk around. So, yeah, we just headed there, basically. As soon as we got there, you're right on the River Sien. I'm not sure if that's actually how you say it, but and that's basically, like, the famous river running through Paris, like the Thames running through London. Any French listeners, please don't yeah. write in and critique our pronunciation. <laughs> um, pronunciation? Pronunciation. Now I'm second guessing how I pronounce the word pronunci pronunciation, 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 pronunciation. We're slowly melting yeah. into wax. <laughs> so we went to um, we walked along like the river a little bit, and that took us to Notre Dame, and um. We didn't go in Notre Dame because the queues were, like, really long. But we went outside and we took pictures. And It was raining, of it, course. And a nice girl, do you remember, she was, 
I think an English girl, maybe she saw that we were English and she came up to us and was like, would you like me to take a photo of you too? And then I had to chase her down and get the phone back. <laughs> he did. He knocked her on the head and she died. <laughs> Look, you wow. want to take it far? I can take it far too. I clubbed okay. her with my bitty club. <laughs> my black jack. What am I thinking of? I don't know. You know those old melee weapons that policemen used to have? Oh, yeah. Is it called a blackjack? A truncheon? No, there's also a thing where it they like slap you with it. And it's like this like leather slapping thing with a weight at the end. You're talking about like a crop? No. There's not a weight on the end of that. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why we've gone down a this blackjack? tangent. blackjack? Is that what you're calling it? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. I don't know. You want to look it up? Not I want to. I want to go back in time and stop this conversation from having <laughs> happened, even if it means I have to assassinate us both. <laughs> Honestly, our deaths would be a small price to pay <laughs> yeah. to avoid that dead end. Okay, so we, when we got to Notre Dame, this was where the thing happened with the birds. Oh god. <sighs> okay, so if you've ever been in like a city where there's like loads of birds and stuff, you will have seen this, where there's people there and they try to get the birds to come on, like land on them and. They feed them, basically. Basically, there's it. people there with birdseed who will sprinkle it on your arms. Yeah. And there are huge masses of pigeons all around. Yeah. And then they will jump on your arms and you can take a photo and pretend you're the pigeon whisperer yeah. or whatever. So we were basically looking at that. And <laughs> I was taking pictures and stuff and, you know, doing like boomerangs of like the birds landing and stuff. Um, when the woman kind of comes over to us and she's like, do you want to take a picture? And so she gets the birds to like land on her. And so I'm taking pictures and stuff. And I lift up my arm to like take the boomerang or whatever. And a bird lands on my arm. And I just scream because I'm that kind of person. Sure. And I screamed and like moved and the bird didn't fly away. It was still on me. So you had to kind of like, Touch it to get I it off. I gently kind of, not pushed it, like but like, it. I nudged it away and then it eventually jumped off. Yeah. And then... And then, if I can pick up the narrative thread, <laughs> if you can hand off the baton to me. I can. After you had been traumatised by this yes. bird l- merely landing <laughs> on your coat sleeve. Hey, when I was little, I was scared of grass, all right? Sure. And snow. I've come a long way, okay? You have, I guess. <laughs> so after that happened, I forget how soon afterwards it happened, but basically we were still milling around that general area. I think area. I was trying to get my hat out or something. Yeah, so you we were, were like doing something in, in the, the backpack. Yeah. And something happened where the birds all scattered and like flew and a bird like <laughs> brushed my face as it as it went by. <laughs> and keep in mind with its wings. Yeah. This is a <laughs> City pigeons, yeah, which are not renowned for their <laughs> sterile <laughs> bird feathers. <laughs> you were just like it touched my mouth. It, I don't actually think it did, but I was in my mind. All I could think of was this pigeon's wing brushing against my lip, and so I was totally yeah. just. You were freaked out. What do you even it? do in that type of situation? Yeah. And it was raining and cold and windy. And I was like, I need to sit down. And there was nowhere to sit. And I sat on the edge of this. You know when, like, in places there's just, like, 
a really small brick wall and it's like a flower bed in the middle of it or something. It was like that. And all of a sudden I realised that it was full of rats. Like, <laughs> And I'm talking about full. There were hundreds of rats in this There wasn't vicinity. hundreds. In the vicinity, because there were several of these flower beds. Do you have x-ray vision? Okay, maybe not hundreds, but there was 50. There was... <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're barging with me. Okay, if it's not going to be 100 rats, 50. Okay, so, not 50, 45. So over here, there's like pigeons and other little brown birds flying around and trying to attack us. And there, there's like rats everywhere. And it's raining. And I'm like, can we, can we just leave... I'm like, can we just get out of here? <laughs> I would like to point out the rats were not just en masse out in plain view. They were in shrubbery. Yeah, you, they there was like these rows of bushes and shrubbery. And if you looked at it long enough, you could see things moving around in it. A lot of them. And every so often, a little... And we did see a couple At one out. point, yeah, th- they would come out and make a little attempt on the trash cans to Why try and so many there, retrieve though? something. And you said to me, do you think those, are those mice? And I was like, yeah, they're, sure. They're, Did they're, I say that? They're little mice, Samantha. Oh, I think I was trying to maybe not let myself freak out too much. Could they be mice? But they were rats. You know what, actually, I knew they, were, they, were rats. They, were, they were gerbils. This is freaking me out they now. Were I don't cute. like gerbils. Gerbils are scary. Gerbils like, are just like rats. Do you like guinea pigs? No, stop. I don't like Do you these. like voles? I can't live. <laughs> Do you like daegus? Kitty, stop me freaking me out. Kitty, there's a daegu on you. on me. No, I don't like this. <laughs> What's that movie? Talk. I don't know if I should tell you about this scene because it would probably freak you out. I don't think you should. There's a movie where a guy puts like a rat on this guy's stomach and then he puts a, a bucket over it. And then he heats up the bucket with a blowtorch. This sounds horrible. And the, so the rat burrows yeah, into Yeah, he it. says like the I rat... I feel like I've seen the this. The rat is going to burrow Where you. did we see this? This is so weird. Ooh, this is horrible. It's so strange how you can remember like just yeah. a flash from one scene and not remember anything else about the movie. I'm not surprised we still remember that horrific scene from whatever it is. Well, it didn't seen. traumatize me in the same way well, as it traumatized you. Rats don't freak me out like at all. They freak me out. Because what are they going to do? Eat you. It would take a long time and I'd have they to be... They would still eat you. I would have to be complicit okay. in my own devouring. Well, imagine 10 rats on you right now. I'm going to be completely frank with you. I could kill 10 rats, no problem. <sighs> Whatever. I wouldn't even break a light sweat. <sighs> now, if it was 500 rats and they all had some kind of telepathic they hive do, mind controlling they them. do have a hive mind they're all gonna just try and eat you oh my god i feel like i have to tell you about this oh you're gonna have to be brave for me are you gonna be brave for me i don't know if i am do you know what a rat king is stop i don't want to know i'm gonna have to tell you no please don't i might vomit a rat comes out of your mouth no, stop <laughs> i don't like this i'm gonna have nightmares please oh, but it's so interesting no no I don't care. You can insert it later for viewers. <laughs> hey, readers. No, readers. <laughs> <laughs> I, this isn't transcribed we and don't have published any as a book. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, is, in a second, it's going to cut to me and I'm going to be like, No, he's not. Hey, listeners, it's me. It's the middle of the night. Samantha is asleep right now. <laughs> Stop. I've snuck into her room and put earplugs in so she can't hear. Into her room? Yeah. Do we share separate rooms? We're in divorced. Your world? We sleep in separate beds. <laughs> we actually only pretend to like each other for the podcast. Yeah. This podcast is really? such a lucrative money-making yeah, endeavor sure. 
that we have to put our personal division aside. Not to call out Steph, but do you remember when she was like, can you put ads on it? <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. Was Steph trying to become our manager? <laughs> and I'm like, we have like 10 listeners. <laughs> and if you put ads on it, can I get 10% of that? No, Steph. <laughs> Anyway, we did give her an appearance fee, though. <laughs> we let her stay here. Yeah, that was the fee. We gave her a small stipend. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, about rat kings. No, stop! I'm fucking telling you. You're not telling me about this. Do not. It's not as bad as you. You know when, well, like, you know, I've read something disturbing, and you're like, "Do not tell me." And I really want to tell you, and then I don't tell you. Do not fucking tell me. Do you know me. why that is? Because sometimes we'll be sitting on the couch together and you'll turn your phone to me and nine times out of ten, <laughs> it's the cutest cat gif or a gif of a little fox prancing around in the snow or a gif of a panda bear eating bamboo in like a really adorable way. But then every so often, you'll turn it around and it'll be like 11 people dead in earthquake or rapist sentenced to 34 years or man loses head in <laughs> railway accident it's like playing russian roulette when i let you show me your phone whatever okay you're not telling me just the fucking words rat king is freaking me out don't you want to know who's no, the king i of don't the rats? want to know about this okay i'm gonna drop it so I'm we drop li- a rat king on no you. so we left notre dame and at just at the end like of we walk across the river part again and we find this nice little, like, restaurant. Um, and we go in the restaurant and we're, like, soaking wet at this point. Like, You know when, like, it's raining so much that, like, your arms are soaked through? And They're clammy. You, yeah. Anyway, so we get something to eat. Um, we sit there for a while. It's very nice and warm and comforting. And I remember going down to the toilets and being really freaked out. I think I was like still freaked out by the rats and it was one of those toilets that's like in the basement that's really dark and I remember running up the stairs really fast. There's a giant rat who asked you to solve a riddle before you can get in there. (laughs) It was really scary down there. Hello human, you are about to enter our domain. Answer these riddles free. Oh this just made me think of rats coming up the toilet while I'm sitting on it. I... I'm pretty speechless in response to this fever dream. I don't like it. How would that even work? I don't know. Have you ever seen Candyman? No. That's not rats, it's bees, but whatever. Bees come up the toilet? Or wasps, whatever. How do they fly in the water? My understanding about flight... no water in it. ...is that it requires air for thrust and whatnot. (laughs) Can can bees swim with their wings? Now we're getting to the real issues. You'd think that they would be able to, but I doubt it. We should have Matthew on. He's actually like a biologist. <laughs> That's his specialist subject. No. He actually has a small set of hives. Not beehives, he's just allergic to cat hair. You've and he has an allergic reaction. You've lost your mind. Did I, I ever have it to begin with? No, Let's well. be completely honest. Okay. Okay, back to Paris. So we have, like, something to eat in this nice little restaurant. And then we decided to take an Uber. And this was our first Uber. No, it wasn't. We decided to take an Uber. <laughs> we used Uber a lot Yeah, in our we time. did. Because I got to a point at, at certain points where it was like, I cannot stand a moment longer. So it's, and, and a few times when we had to get the Metro, 
we have to keep going to this one metro station where it's like the lines um are really far apart and in this one metro station they were so far apart that in the middle of it they had one of those like um travel later conveyor belt things for you to walk on because it was so far it's like you were walking a mile and a half just to get through to each line so i said we're going to the eiffel tower now because it was getting on in the day and i didn't want to miss being there through the day and the night and i said let's just get an uber and that way we can see some of paris like while we're in the car so yeah so we went there it was really like pretty like we went along the river and we saw some like pretty buildings and like monuments and stuff and then we got there to the other town i couldn't believe it surprisingly it's quite small i mean it's not small but it's way smaller than you think in your mind you expect it to be like the empire state building yeah where it's just like colossal and it is really big but i don't know you just expect more somehow yeah you build it up in your mind yeah i think it's because maybe your average like big building is bigger than it now Whereas, like, obviously at one point in time, the Eiffel Tower was the biggest thing in the world. It's, like, not. Also, even though you've seen photos of it and you've seen it in movies and videos and stuff, it's way less kind of... It's really scaffoldy looking. Yeah. Because it is just, like... Metal beams. Metal, yeah. And not to say that 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 means it's not, like, pretty or magnificent. It was. It's just... I don't think it's quite what you think it's going to be until you see it. I think our aesthetic sensibilities are more towards appreciating buildings rather than this type of thing where it's almost like it really is like a mass of steel beams. Yeah, yeah. like I appreciated it, but I think we were right like almost underneath it. The only way to get underneath it is if you have tickets to go up it, I think. So we were very close to being underneath it, but we weren't. Um, And I took some photos, like, from that angle, but I wasn't really happy with them. And so we walked, like, sort of, like, near it for a bit, and there was, like, a carousel. And I am, like, really into carousels. Like, I'm such a child when it comes to them. And I knew there was going to be one there, so I wanted to go on it. Um, And I must stress, listeners, how cold and wet it was that day. All of the carousel horse things that you sit on were soaking. soaking, I had to dry them with my the sleeve of my hoodie. And it was so cold that I was shivering as we went round. So, yeah, we went on the carousel because obviously I had wanted to go on it this whole time. And um, and again, I must stress that we were the only people on it. <laughs> there were loads of people around, just no one going on but it. But no one foolish enough to go on a carousel uh, in minus degree rain weather. Whatever. And then someone came and took a photo of us, which they were doing to like everyone who went on it. And we bought it because I thought, I don't know, usually we wouldn't, but I thought it was, like, a nice thing to keep, like, a professional photo. Um, And then it was starting to get dark, and obviously I'd wanted to see, like, the light show. At when sunsets, the Eiffel Tower lights up all the way along, but then on the hour, every hour for five minutes, it also, like, glistens all up and down. It does, like, Um, this sparkly light show. mm, 
And also there's like a light beam shooting off it, kind of like a lighthouse. Like, like a the, spotlight. Yeah. So I wanted to see all of that. But um, we also wanted to go somewhere and maybe get something to eat. Yeah. Potentially. So opposite the Eiffel Tower, there's this huge building, which we never, I don't yeah, think we ever figured out what it was. was. But you walk up this really long slope and then you go up a bunch of these stairs and then there's almost kind of like a viewing platform where a lot of people congregate and it's far enough away from the Eiffel Tower. You've crossed the bridge, you've gone up this slope, you've gone up these stairs that you can kind of see it from a distance and Mm. take photos of yourself with it in the background. I think it's the best view because being so close to the Eiffel Tower that it's like almost on you, you don't quite get, I don't know, like there's, it's one that you can't appreciate fully but you can't see it fully. And then, I also preferred the Eiffel Tower once it was lit up. Um, in just in terms of like aesthetically, I thought, oh, it was much more kind of like magnificent once it had lit up. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to go and find somewhere to sit and maybe have some to eat because when we were at the Eiffel Tower, it was like three o'clock, and so it's about it's about to turn. It was like three to four p.m. And so it's about to get dark, but you have to kind of wait a bit. Mm. And we didn't know exactly when the light shows started. Yeah, it didn't start at sunset. It started the hour after when it was actually dark. So we had the hour to like yeah. do nothing. So we walked all the way across there to the viewing platform and then passed it. And we found, first of all, we went into this really fancy dessert shop oh yeah i forgot about that That was almost kind of like it was very old school yeah it was you could tell the visual style of it yeah it almost looked like a parlor room i was just gonna say it kind of like an ice cream parlor or something like that no i meant like a parlor room in some giant french mansion oh okay that's what you mean um but yeah, we, we looked at the menu and I think we were like wanted specific things and there wasn't quite what we wanted. And it was very crammed in there. It's yeah, one of those places the where the tables really are so close, close that you're like a foot away from someone. It's like side. you're sitting with them. Yeah. Yeah. So we left and um, we wanted like dessert. We, we were going to go and get, and it's kind of backwards, but we were going to go and get five guys. Um, but we have to take the metro to another part of Paris yeah. to get there. And you can't get dessert at five guys. And we wanted like a fancy dessert. So we... I was very, I have to say, suspicious of this idea that you could just go into a restaurant and simply order dessert. But you kept telling me that this was a thing that you could do. But I've never done that before. Yeah, I've never done it either, but... The idea that there's this rule that you have to have dinner before dessert or you can't buy a dessert is just ridiculous. But my like I didn't understand why you thought that it might be an issue. My point was that all of these restaurants we were walking by and looking at the menus, and of course some of them were only in French, so that's yeah. super useful, guys. Hey. Well, this was like a very touristy district. Yeah, I mean, what still. are you thinking? They were very, like, upscale, fancy restaurants. Yeah, they were really fancy. And so I felt like... Like, the type of restaurants where they have doormen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I felt like we were going to go in there and say, we're only ordering dessert, and they were going to kind of laugh us out. (laughs) 
because I don't really know what the yeah. etiquette is. I haven't ever been quote unquote fine dining in Paris before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we settled in one of them anyway because we saw that they had what we basically wanted chocolate cake and ice cream. And we saw that they had chocolate cake and ice cream. And we have to tell you about the interior design of this restaurant, oh guys. Oh, my God. It was like a sex club. It was one half <laughs> 70s groovy... Neon lights. Chill out room. Yeah. And one half kind of new agey sex dungeon. Yeah, it was... It was, And the thing is, that it, it was, the people in there didn't reflect that. There was just, like, people after work in there. It was kind of like your typical stuffy, upper-level French restaurant. Yeah. But the inside was decorated like it was trying to be very unorthodox and, like, young and hip. It was like it was going to turn into a club, a dance club or something, at any moment. But it was full of tables for people to eat at. So it was strange. It's very difficult to describe visually like what it looked like yeah but there were these giant kind of columns of light yeah they were pink like a pinky purple but they weren't columns they were almost you know what stalagmites are in caves when they the rock starts to come down from the ceiling yeah yeah the opposite one of those where it's coming up from the ground it kind of looked like that but dimpled all over and glowing bright neon purple or blue or whatever yeah it was like a pinky purpley neon everywhere yeah. in that place and so it was just a really weird ambiance weird. for a place like this i kind of liked it though honestly like yeah i liked it so we went to order we ordered like a chocolate cake and ice cream and it was like a really delicious like melty it was like a chocolate lava cake basically or like a melty cake or whatever you want to call it um and we shared one like I usually don't share, like, like to share desserts because I want the fucking dessert, you know? But, I don't know, we were in Paris, it's nice to... Well, I also wasn't very hungry because I knew we were going to go to Five Guys. Mm. And when you go into Five Guys, guys, you save (laughs) space. Well, for me, I could always eat, so I don't really need to think about that. But, um... And even though in my mind it came and it was like, it's not that big. And the the thing of ice cream they give you isn't that big. It was still really filling because it was so rich. And you know when they say like the bread and the cakes and everything are nicer in France? It's true. I guess. It's fucking true. We it was had good. bread. We had croissants. We had cake. And it was, we had um, macarons. You're jumping ahead in the timeline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to confuse people. And they were all nicer there than they This are. is a paradox. You're going to break the space-time yeah, continuum. Yeah. So I will say this as well. At Five Guys, listeners... You jumped ahead. Only by like <laughs> half an hour. At Five Guys, Samantha takes one of the burger patties off of her burger. I do. Which is borderline sacrilege when you've got a burger that good. I almost burnt her at the stake. Well, let me tell you, okay, when I eat a burger or a sandwich, the favourite part for me is not the meat, it's the bread. Insane. I know, but that's what I like. So when you get a burger and it comes and it's got two patties, it's too much. However, the first ever time I had Five Guys, I actually did eat the burger with both patties. That's how good it was. But I ate, like, 
a third or half of the burger with the two patties and then I took the rest of the second patty off. So it's just because it's just too much of one thing for me. I'm just like that. I can't. And then you always say to me, do you want this? And I'm like, I'm already eating a double patty burger. <laughs> do you want me to make it a triple layer and give myself a coronary right here? Didn't we see after like we had the second Five Guys that you could get like a, a small hamburger or a kid's hamburger or something where it was yeah. implied that it might only be one patty. Well, we couldn't really read the sign because it was in French. Yeah, that part was in French, so I didn't know. I don't know why they put the rest of the menu in English and yeah. then that part in French because it was different stuff. So I don't know. So anyway, to the timeline is getting very confused right now. We need like a detailed chart so yeah. people can follow along. But in between the sex restaurant... Yes, the sex And restaurant. then going by the Metro to Five Guys. You didn't say how much you enjoyed the ketchup cake. I Wasn't said, it really yummy? The cake was pretty good. It didn't tasty. blow my mind. It blew my mind. It wasn't like that scene in <laughs> the second Matrix film where the French dude sends this woman a cake, but he's changed the underlying code of it, so it gives her an orgasm. Is this real? Yeah. I told you about this scene before and you didn't believe me. I don't think I believe it. It doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound And it's really weird and it makes no sense. It gives her an orgasm. It makes sense when yeah. you think about it because cake is orgasmic. He's not like a real person. He's a program in the Matrix so oh. he can change the underlying code of reality. I did bake a cake just earlier today and it was orgasmic. Sure. Yeah. Multi-orgasmic even. <laughs> So, yeah, in between the sex restaurant <laughs> and the delicious chocolate cake, we went back to the viewing platform area up these steps to see the Eiffel Tower. And at this point, it was really full. There were loads of people there. Oh, my God. And what about the I, girls? Yeah, I was going to say. We were sat down on this bench waiting for the hour to strike so the light show would start. And these two... It's pitch black at this point. It is, yeah. And it's raining. And there's so many people there. Yeah. And these two French girls next to us, young Two youngish, French girls with one guy. Yeah, like in their early 20s, maybe. No, I think they were probably like 18. Oh, okay, yeah. They were just playing music and... Like from their phone. Yeah, and dancing. Yeah. And not like choreographed dancing, although at points they did kind of like Sync do the up. same dance yeah. move. But they were just like giggling really loud and like dance it was so strange and it was clear that they were they were like everyone look at us kind yeah, of thing like we want to be the center of attention yeah, yeah even though you're here to see the goddamn eiffel tower i feel like normally that would really annoy me but actually i found it kind of cute it was because they weren't being too obnoxious about yeah. it they were just kind of giggling and making noise yeah but- they weren't forcing their no. weirdness on you. And They're also, <laughs> even though it was super, I'm talking super cold. Yeah, it was. It the was type like of cold five, where the ends of your fingers go numb. Mm. You know, you can't feel yeah. your nose anymore. One of the girls was wearing a, sk- a short mini skirt yeah, and just were- like knee socks. Yeah. And I was just flabbergasted. <laughs> This girl must have... Like, they didn't have coats on. Frostbite in her knees. We were all there with our, with our like, sweaters or hoodies, our coats, our scarves, our gloves, our hats. Like, and they didn't even have coats on or anything. But, yeah, that was kind of cute while we were waiting for the Eiffel Tower to, like... It was already lit up, but we were waiting for it to do the glistening part that, that does... And as soon as it kind of came on, everyone went, ooh. Because yeah. it was so... 
it was just so magical like it was really I really enjoyed it like as cheesy whatever it is or whatever but it was really pretty because you can see Paris in the background you can see all the buildings and then it just stands out right there in the darkness I think also maybe something about there being all those people there for the same reason as well was kind of cute like we were all there because we wanted to see this magnificent thing and yeah so that was nice we took some selfies you tried to take some video selfies of us which i don't think it was so dark so it didn't really come out but one of our really cute polaroids though well that it took in the dark so you can't actually see the eiffel tower but you can see us is actually really cute you can only see our lit up bright white faces from the flash (laughs) you can only see half your face it looks like we're casper the friendly ghosts yeah but it's like when Polaroids go wrong, and I kind of like. But it, it also is—it's kind of extra cute and special yeah. because it is a little bit wonky. Yeah. <coughs> so yeah, from there we went back to the Champs Elysees and had five guys. Had five guys, as aforementioned. And I, because everything is all the shops were open until like eleven p.m. Wait, which... just before you get into this, I want to give the second part of the earlier story this time i made sure to listen to the woman super carefully it was the same woman and she said something about your hat she did she went hello kitty i'll remember it next time and we knew it was gonna be our last time (laughs) she was very friendly and she was yeah very amused by your hair and your hat and so this time when she said the number i put it right at the forefront of my mind and then you went up and got a table and as i was standing there by the serving counter i kept just saying the french (laughs) words in my head over and over and over again to the point where they became completely meaningless babble Mm. i was just making distorted noises in my brain oh it was so good i really want five (sighs) pros right now why don't we have what is dangerous if we did have one my diet would become 99 percent burger meat so anyway (laughs) It was also kind of cute standing there because you can see like all the cooks working yeah. on the grills and stuff. And they were playing their French pop music super loud and dancing with each other. That's cute. And at one point someone like shouted something in like exhilaration and kind of like uh. triumph. And they all came together and like touched elbows. That's fucking adorable. Like they were like a little team and they yeah. were having fun. And so it was fun just watching that. But... I must say, even though I tried to beat the system this time by keeping (laughs) the French words in my head, the guy, when he would shout the number, he he wasn't shouting it like slowly and clearly. He would just stride up to the counter and like blurt it out like Like super quick. Yeah. And so I still had to go up (laughs) and show the receipt once or twice before he gave it to me. Yeah. But yeah, Five Guys was really good. So we had that. And then I wanted to go to, to Sephora because I th- I thought I knew I definitely was going to get something anyway. Like I, my brain had already zeroed on what it would be. But I wanted to go in there and have a look anyway. And it was super busy there. Like I said, the shops along there like closed at like 11 p.m., which I thought was amazing because anyone who lives in the UK or has been to the UK... They know that everything closes at 5 or 6 p.m. Unless you live in London. And if you live in London, it closes at like 7 or 8. Um, like, 
uh, like for instance like the Primark and the top shop and stuff along like Oxford Street they close at like eight o'clock or something um but 11 p.m I was like whoa um it was quite late at this point it was like whatever um so we went to Sephora <clears throat> which was just great for me it was like a kid in a candy shop. it was your heaven yeah Really busy in there. You died and went to Cosmetic Valhalla. I did. I bought something and I ended up actually buying something that you can get here now. <laughs> but um, but still, it was nice to kind of like get something. Um, yeah. And then what did we do after that? I think we just went back to the hotel. Yeah. We got the metro and we went to the hotel. No, we didn't. We got lost. Oh, God. Yeah, I wanted to find. So one of the, I only had a few things I wanted to do in Paris. I wanted to have a croissant. I wanted to have French bread, and I wanted to go in a French bookstore. <laughs> and so after Samantha had finished in Sephora, I quickly checked on my phone and saw that there were several bookstores open late. And of course, they have like French names, so you have no idea what they're about or whatever. And so one of them was fairly close by. And so we went down the the whole street, got to the bottom of it, and it was supposed to be right there. There's like it's like when you go around a roundabout and there's several exits. Yeah. That's what the end of the street is like. There's like seven different streets. And some of them have like names and some of them don't. And it was one of those situations where Google Maps is completely letting you down. Yeah. You press the locate me button and it puts the little pin down somewhere. And then you walk a few steps and you press the locate button again. And it for somehow, Jump, yeah. inexplicably, the pin jumps to like a completely different part of the street. And you're like, yeah. well, which one is right then? I have no idea where I am. So we went to go down like street three. It wasn't there. Street four wasn't there. And then we went down one street where we thought it was, but the pin jumped. So we walked away from it and realized actually five minutes later, we realized that's actually where we did need to be. And then when we finally got there, it was closed anyway. Yeah. Do you remember? It was, because I couldn't <clears throat> read the name, obviously I didn't realise this, but it was like a bookstore attached to a theatre. Yeah. And so... The theatre was closed. Even if it had been opened, I doubt it would have, it wouldn't have been the type of bookstore yeah. I would have wanted to go to. And so that was fun. Yeah. Because it was quite late at this point, and mm. you don't really want to be out late just wandering around without a plan. And we were right by a metro station, and it was one that we had gotten earlier on. But the directions were telling us we had to actually go to a different metro station in order to get back to our hotel. That there was no connection, there was no possible connection from that metro station to where we need to go. And as we started to walk to this other metro station, it was taking us down this really dark, like wooded, like death alley. Yeah. And we were like, no, fuck this. And I went, let's get an Uber. So we walked out of this darkness that we just walked into and we got an Uber. And, and let was, me tell you, listeners, yeah. we had some fun in this Uber ride. This we was, had a cross-cultural exchange. This was the first time that we got someone who didn't speak any English. And it became an issue. Yeah, because you wanted to get some more milk for your hot drinks. And because um, in the hotel room, they only offered cream and you wanted milk. So I just wanted to stop at a shop on the way home so we could quickly grab some milk. And it was about to close. It was going to close in like 20 minutes and we didn't know whether we were going to make it. 
So I said, let's just get the taxi to drop us at the shop rather than dropping us at the hotel and then us having to walk down to the shop. So I was trying to ask the Uber driver if he could take us to a different destination and he didn't know what we were saying. So for the first time during our trip, I used Google Translate to speak for me and we got it there in the end. But it was a cute transaction, like... You know, we weren't getting frustrated with each other. We were kind of giggling about it. Because he kept... When we had gotten through to him that we wanted to change the destination... He told us to change it via the Uber app. Yeah, he basically said change it via the app. And then he, like, would point towards his Uber app on his phone. And he kept saying, Mon Chair. Oh, yeah. And he kept saying it over and over again as if waiting for us to give him like an answer or Um. an affirmation or something that we understood and you kept saying like i I don't know what that means Yeah, i was repeating myself and he was repeating himself and it was kind of like but he was point he kept pointing down yeah so we were like saying less and then eventually you got it you were like i i kind of sensed that he was probably saying it will cost less money because we're going to a different destination because at one point you typed in less expensive on google translate and it came up with the words he was saying and he was kind of like yes yes that's it and so then he because he spoke a little bit of english like he said one word here and yeah and he was kind of like how do you say that in english then yeah and then i said less expensive and he was like less expensive and he was like practicing it yeah so he taught you some french and you taught him some english it was cute it was a fun moment he was very kind of good about it i tipped him Sure. I told you later on, like when like the thing comes through to say like rate your experience on Uber, do you want to tip your driver? And so I tipped him and left like a comment because I wouldn't normally do that because I'm not like a tipper and they don't have a tipping culture. Like, I mean, just like in London, there are situations Some where you tip, context, but they don't yeah. have a tipping culture like America. Um, but I just thought it had... You know when, like, you have, like, a bad experience and it really annoys you? This was, like, a really nice experience. He was very friendly. Yeah, he was. But talking of Uber experiences that really let us down, do you remember when we were waiting? Oh, yeah. When, on that first night, when we went up to the observatory tower, when we came back down, we were standing outside of it. In the rain. It was pouring down. Yeah. We're standing there under this tiny little... (laughs) crappy folding it's already broken that, and we only just bought it yeah and it's really cold we're huddled together under this tiny umbrella and we waited there for maybe like 25 yeah, 30 it was minutes a long time the uber driver kept calling and you couldn't really understand what he was saying yeah the, it, the problem is it was one of those buildings where there's different sides to it and no neither side is really the front or the back so even though I was trying to say to him, I'm on this side of the building, like, he he wasn't getting it. And, like, I don't even think he was also getting that I was trying to speak English. He just, we weren't communicating at all. He did speak English, but I don't know. He was being really quiet and it just wasn't getting across. And he called, like, four times to say, like... I can't find you, basically. This was the very definition of a language barrier. And the thing is, we were two minutes from our hotel. We could have walked, but because it was late and it was raining so heavily and I had put on, like, this, like, flowy skirt and, like, I, I didn't, we didn't want to walk. Um, so that kind of sucked. 
eventually he found yeah, us. Yeah, he did find us. And he was like, he basically said something about how, do you know it's only around the corner? Like thinking that maybe Such because we're tourists. To remark. Yeah. But yeah, so that so then we got home. That was our last night. Yeah. I had a little bit of like, oh, it's our last night. But it was nice still. Shall we, we talk about the mishap that happened? Do you want to? I'm going I don't to... know if you're still like <laughs> angry about it. I'm still it. simmering low-key rage about yeah. it. So <laughs> I shall tell the tale because I don't want Samantha's scooed bias version of it. Let me tell you why though first. Absolutely no. No, not about why not what you just said. Permission why, refused. Why I filled it up to begin with. So basically my feet were hurting so much that when we got back to the hotel on the evening, I filled up the tub a little bit with like warm water and I soaked my feet in there. So that's what I did. And then... So, (laughs) (laughs) after Samantha has left the bathtub full of water, she tries to get the plug out. This was a weird plug, okay? It was. I will grant you that. It was the type of plug, it wasn't connected to like a chain or anything. You just put the plug in. And when you put the plug in, it's almost like it stops and you have to push it in. But I obviously really pushed it in. Like I embedded that plug into the hole. It got to the point where you couldn't even feel the seam around the edge of the plug. I pushed it in too much. There was nothing to dig your nail into to pull out to the pull plug. To pull out the plug. Not that that was no. how it worked anyway, but jumping forward too much. So you came and got me and said, <laughs> can you fix this? At first, I tried pulling out with my fingers and my fingernails. And like you said, it was so level with the the rim the seat, of the plug yeah. hole and the bottom of the bath that you couldn't, you just couldn't get any purchase on it to pull it out. Yeah. Then I tried to use... We tried, like... Tweezers. Yeah. I tried to bend the tweezers so I could dig the edge of it underneath and, like... Because I was trying to find, like, something metal or sharp that you could get underneath it to wedge it out. And the tweezers were, like, the only thing we had. And then... And then... I found some scissors. We had some scissors. And let me tell you this, because I'm not stupid. The scissors were the type... They were, like, child scissors. Yes. Where... Of course, the scissor edges themselves are sharp, but then the back of each prong of the scissors edge is squared off, like you'd expect. And so that's where I was gripping it. Yeah, like you opened the scissors. And I used one prong of it with my finger on the back of it where it's squared off, and I tried to dig the scissors prong underneath the plug and try and lever out. What I didn't realize is that I was cutting open my thumb (laughs) where my finger was on the back of the scissor prong. And I didn't realise this until I'd given up on trying to fix the plug. It was like something you didn't see straight away. You'd given up on trying to fix it. We couldn't get it out. And then you made some tea. And I picked up my cup and I was like, what's this red stain on the edge of the cup? (laughs) I still you this, asked me, yeah. and I was like, "It's blood." And what I the was hell? like, for a second, I was like, "What could possibly have happened to leave blood on my teacup?" Yeah. And then I looked at my thumb, and it was just like pouring blood. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part about it is because I'd only minutely 
shifted my form a little bit as I was using the scissors. It had made three yeah. very long but very thin, almost like paper cuts. Yeah. It had made like three long cuts along the pad of my form. Yeah. Which I'm, I can't believe that you happen to have one plaster with you. Yeah, I did. My, I had seen my mom like the week before Paris because she was dyeing my hair and I needed a plaster for something and she gave me, I think she gave me a plaster for something. But then after she'd already given me a regular plaster, she was like, oh, I've got this like Star Wars plaster. It was like <laughs> a plaster of like a stormtrooper. And <laughs> she gave things. it to me and I kept it and I put it in my purse. And, and so normally on a trip, plaster is something you would pack, but I hadn't. And then I said to you, oh my God, I've got this Star Wars plaster and so- in my purse. Nurse Samantha came over and put this Star Wars plaster on my boo-boo. Yeah. Like I was a little kid. And then the saga doesn't even end here, folks. I, this is when I called. I called down because I was like, what are we going to do? Obviously, if it was our last moment, it wouldn't matter. But we knew we obviously had to take showers and baths the next day. Um, So I called down to the front desk and I said I can't get the plug out and he didn't know what I meant like he spoke English but I meant I guess because I was saying like I can't get the plug out the bath he didn't understand what I was talking about eventually he kind of would have stood and he said okay I'm sending someone so we were like oh my yeah. god and this at this point like it's like 11 p.m at night <laughs> and we want to obviously get a good night's sleep for the next the last yeah. day so they send up who I'm guessing is, like, the hotel handyman. He comes up with, like, a couple of tools in his hands. Yeah, like a big plunger-type thing. And he comes in. He's, like, this big, tall dude who really didn't... Really tall Literally dude, didn't yeah. say anything the yeah. whole time he was there. He was very surly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes in. I lead him into the bathroom, and I say, we can't get the plug out, and I point at it. He leans over the bathtub, <laughs> and over the plug... It's kind of under hard to explain taps. this. Yeah. Under the taps, there's this big silver circle with dimples around the edge of it so you can grip it. And you you grip it, pull it out, and then turn it either... I forget whether it was clockwise or counterclockwise. And a mechanism underneath the plug pushes the plug up. And the thing is... I don't know how the how we were supposed to know this. I had seen this type of plug before. Oh, I've never seen that before. And in my mind, at some point, you know, like when we first got into the hotel room and we were figuring it out, I thought to myself, but don't you just pull the plug up by pushing this thing? Yeah. But then when you emptied the bath the first time for me, you just pulled the yeah, plug out. Yeah, I just pulled out. out And so with I my thought fingers. to myself, oh, it must not be then. Yeah. Because you do get those things on the top of bath. We've got one on ours and it doesn't do that. Yeah. It does nothing. It lets the water in and out, like, you know, that bit at the top. That yeah, it's non It's just a hole. Sometimes it's just a hole. And so literally in the most strangely comedic way possible he just without a word without even looking at me he leans over the bath turns this knob and then the plug comes up he then doesn't look at me again he just walks back to the front door and leaves no he like huffed or something i remember him doing something that was quite aggressive i don't remember him huffing. yeah he was, was like right he was like oh or something. I don't think and this then he happened. Left. He did. I think for you sure. imagined it. No, he did. No, because if he had huffed, 
I would have said something. He did. You didn't let let him out. I did. He I definitely did as we're leaving. I'm contesting your account of this. He was like annoyed that it had to come up for no. That was reason. clear, but <laughs> I thought it. To me, it's funny if he if he did absolutely nothing. But he did do something. I that remember. to me is kind of like he's almost this. I don't know, Mute. surly, stoic handyman yeah, yeah. who's like these tourists. They don't even know how to use the bathtub. <laughs> so, but at this point, I was quite upset. Yeah, you were. I wasn't mad at you, and I told you that from the very beginning. In no way yeah, was I. Yeah, because it was like an accident. Yeah. Like I didn't push the plug in too far on purpose. I wasn't angry at you at all, but I was quite upset at the situation. Because it was the thumb on my right hand. And these are long cuts all down the, the like I said, the pad, the part you, the inside part of your thumb you use to press things. And when we get back from Paris, I was going to take receipt of my VR headset, which I was so excited to play with. And for my form to be all cut up, the form that you need to use to press the buttons on the controller, to me was just so. Yeah. I couldn't believe that a you day so later upset. I was going to get this new VR system that I was super excited about, and now the form that I use, my main dominant form that I use to play games with, has been completely like slashed open. I remember trying to like, you know, I was like. The thing isn't coming until like the day after we get home and it's like the night before we get leave. So I was like, by the time it comes, it's going to have started healing. Therefore, once you get to that like healing process, it doesn't hurt anymore or usually doesn't hurt anymore. And so I was trying to like be like, by then it's, you're not going to feel it. And I was like, I was not buying. Yeah, you weren't. Any of this. It wasn't letting up. You were very upset and. Yeah. Because as I was excited about Paris, oh. but the ex- the excitement level that you had for Paris, where it was like off the charts, that's how I felt about getting this yeah, VR headset. Yeah, I know, I know. So it's almost like before you went to Paris, you had like sprained your ankle or something. Yeah. Where it was something that was like severely going to hamper your enjoyment of this thing. Yeah, but it didn't end up. No, it, it healed just enough by the time that I got it mm. that I could use my thumb without needing a yeah. bandage or something. But the, the the cuts themselves, because they were so long and thin, they literally didn't heal for like yeah. another two weeks. I had to go to the chemist in the morning, do you remember? Because you'd obviously use that plaster for the night. But as soon as we w- I, we woke up the next morning, there were... Across the street, there was there were chemists everywhere, I felt like, in Paris. And they had these very distinctive giant <laughs> green cross neon Fla- signs. Yeah, 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 like flashing signs. It was very strange. Um, so I went across and got you some plasters, I remember. Because I, re- I was like, you have to keep a plaster on it this whole time so that it has a chance to heal. Because your thumb is going to constantly be touching stuff. And if you don't have the plaster on, it's never going to have a chance to heal. And I was really concerned <laughs> about you not being able to play this. It this. was just so frustrating. Of all, I mean, of all the things that could have possibly have happened, mm. the unlikelihood of me cutting open my thumb... It just seemed like fate was laughing in my face. Like, you thought you were going to get to enjoy this thing. What a fool you were, because I've intervened (laughs) and totally screwed you over. 
speaking of like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, talking of anticlimaxes and disappointments. Now, I tripped. Oh, I thought you were going to talk times. about the gallery. Oh, yeah. Okay, talk about your, your trips. I tripped, like, just walking because yeah. I'm clumsy. You know when you're walking and you kind of, like, your ankle bends, like, outwards? That happened to me three times with the same foot. And the third time it happened on the last day was really bad. Do you remember when I was basically like, oh, my God, <laughs> it hurts so much. Um so that sucked. And I remember waking up the next day when we got home, and my f- the top of my foot was in so much pain. You were a warrior, though. You didn't let it show. I'm definitely, like, the walk-in situation, like, even though we got, like, metros and Ubers and stuff places. There was a lot of walking. There was a lot of walking between stuff and, like, walking around and standing and looking at things. And I'm the person who, like, I'll go to, like, a museum or a gallery and after standing around looking at stuff for like 10 minutes, I need to have a seat. Like, I'm so done with... Like, I don't like standing and walking. It sucks. Like, so I remember saying to you, what is the most acceptable way I can get around without walking? <laughs> a Segway, perhaps? <laughs> I was like, just get me a wheelchair. But no, I didn't. A but, hoverboard? Um, Would yeah. it be one of those cool kids? I definitely needed like a Segway or something. Or like a scooter. What about some rollerblades? Yeah. That's cool and retro. But you're still on your feet. That's true. Or you could have those shoes that were really big at one time in like the early 2000s where the wheels pop out of them. <sighs> I always wanted some of those, but I never had any. I wanted some of them as well. And I got like an off-brand version of them. So you did have them. But... They weren't, they would really, really not very good. No. I've also never learned how to inline skate. Oh, I, I remember having roller skates when I was little, like younger than 10, little, <clears throat> and really loving them. And then when I was like 11 or something, I got roller blades and I roller, I roller bladed all the time. Yeah. I couldn't do like tricks and stuff like a skateboarder, but I roller, I could roller blade. And I, you said that with such conviction. And I would just rollerblade up and down, up and down all the time. Oh, I could rollerblade. <laughs> Make you know no I mean? mistake, people. As a form of getting from A to B, I could rollerblade. Um, I think I like the idea of those shoes more than the reality. Hmm. I really like the idea of, oh, you're just walking along and then you just like pop out these wheels yeah. and fly off. But yeah, some of them only had one wheel. And you had to kind oh. of like tilt back your weight onto your ankle and kind of just like let it take you. Didn't the wheelies have like four, like, or a line of wheels? I think it They're was, like yeah. That's why ones. I said I had a crappy oh, okay. off brand version of that. So, yeah, so that sucks. Like, that was basically the only thing during the parish trip where it was like it would be made infinitely better if. I didn't have to worry about constantly needing to sit down and yeah. stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's the only thing, really. But apart from that, it was, like, you know, amazing. So we were coming to our last day, and we go to the same place for breakfast, and it's, like, yummy. That was the day when I finally had some French bread. Yeah. I had, like, a fresh-baked yeah. French baguette, and it was so... 
You said it kind it of tasted so, like it was like toast. T- the, it was so crunchy. Yeah, the outside of it was like this really darkened, like crunchy part. And so the first bite was kind of like eating toast, and then the rest of it was like eating bread, and it was so yummy. And I remember you ate like half of it, and we kept the second half, and I basically had that and crisps for lunch because it was that yummy. It was so like, good. Um, yeah, so we had that for breakfast. And I knew that, like, we just wanted to, like, walk around, like, some streets, just, like, some Paris streets and, like, see stuff. Because we didn't have that much of a day left, and I had been saving something else for, like, our last thing. So we headed to the Latin Quarter, which is where Notre Dame is, and we went back to Notre Dame and took more photos as you do because this time it wasn't actually raining yeah it was like it the sun actually came out and we gave the swaths of pigeons a wide yeah, berth this did, time um so we headed back there and on the way back we crossed the street so we'd already been there but we crossed the street so we saw a different side and we found you a bookstore we did like totally by random yeah. just coming across it as we're walking along because there was no like huge signs or anything it was very small and independent like a hidden away little bookstore. it really was like a little nook in this line of unremarkable mm. shops already and so we went in there and not only was it a bookstore but it was one of those occult yeah spiritual and it had like incense yeah and- let me put it this way listeners if you want to get a, a sense of what type of bookstore it was i walked in there and on a table there were copies of david ike's work translated into french and if you're not familiar with mr ike's oeuvre with his body of work he's the guy who he's the proponent of the theory that there is a secret race of lizard people who have infiltrated all the world governments and secretly rule humanity so it was that type of bookstore. <laughs> there was a lot of books about angels and well, yeah. But it was fun to just like walk around it. It was quite cramped and small. But that's kind of what what yeah. those types of places usually are. But like. it was so cool to see like they had really fancy leather-bound French grimoires. Wow. Books of spells, books of demonology, yeah. stuff like that. And that is just so cool to peruse, even if it's mm. in a different yeah. language. It was very cool. It was so amazing that we chanced upon it. Yeah. Because that was one of the most important things for me. And yeah, that was super fun to look around there. So then after that, we headed to get some, like, kind of like a light lunchy type thing. You wanted another croissant. I couldn't get enough of the croissants. And we wanted to try a macaron. I admit, you can obviously get macarons here. I had never tried one, and I thought while in France, we should try one. So we got one of the big ones so that we could share it to try it. And I basically took a bite and didn't like it. I mean, it wasn't inedible. I just didn't fancy it. So you ate it. I really liked it. Yeah, you really liked it. I expected it to taste really strange and unusual, but it just tasted like, how would you describe it? Almost cakey, but a little bit biscuity. Yeah, it was like a mixture of a biscuit and a cake. It was to me. It was just a nice desserty. Yeah, type. I didn't really. Yeah, for me, I didn't really like the actual flavor. Yeah. It was a chocolate one, um, but I don't know. I didn't like. It, it was almost kind of that intense, like 
dark, chocolatey type flavour. Yeah, I think the main reason I didn't like it is because I have a thing with textures and I didn't like the texture. Right. Um, but we wanted to try it because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things you do when you're in Paris. Yeah. And then I actually, I liked it so much that I had another one. Yeah, you did. On a different one. occasion. I couldn't, I wanted to find something to eat, but all the sandwiches had like ingredients on that I didn't like. And I thought, am I going to spend this money on a sandwich and then scrape everything off? So we ended up going to McDonald's. Um and it was weird in there. She was like, you have to use the machine to order, which I was vaguely familiar with because they have those here now. Um, it was one of those giant touchscreen kiosks. Yeah. So I ordered it. And then at the end, it was trying to like ask me something that I was really confused about. It wasn't really in English. And I was like, I don't understand. So I had to get the woman and she was like, oh, it's table service here. And she gave me like this little cr- like credit card sized card thing. And she was like, take this to your table and we find you. And I was like, okay. She crept up close and whispered that into (laughs) your ear. Wherever you go, we'll find you. (laughs) I was like, this is so weird. And I thought it was so weird that I was like, do you have to pay for this service? And she was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah. So that I thought, I mentioned that because I thought that was so odd. Like. That there was like a table service. Um, and I guess they find you, because how do they know it's you? But I guess there's like a, there must be like a GPS in there. <laughs> like how do they know it's you? I don't know. Because he just came straight to me and it wasn't like there was no one else in there. Yeah, we'd only sat down for like a minute and then the food arrived. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I would just say for the record that I didn't eat there because no. I don't like McDonald's. No, you don't. I had him a chicken sandwich and it was not the same. Like, it it had, like, a bit of a seasoned to it, almost like a southern fried chicken right. sandwich, but not quite as spicy. And I really enjoyed it. It also seemed, I don't know if it was just because I was in Paris, but it seemed like slightly better quality as well than here. So then basically we were on to our last thing that I'd saved for the our last part of the trip. And that was I wanted to go to the Henry Cartier-Bresson Foundation Gallery, which is like, he's like one of my favourite photographers and he has like a foundation gallery, right? And it was, we had like checked out of our hotel already, but we left our bags there because you can like do that so we didn't have to take them around with us. And it, the the foundation was right by the hotel, so it worked out well. So we headed there, and I was really excited, and we get in. And it's funny as well, because Ryan goes free to, like, museums and galleries in France because he's under 26. I'm a youth, yeah. officially. But this was one of the places where he didn't go free. I mean, it was half price, but you still you didn't go free him. So I was so excited. We got in there, we paid, and we got upstairs. And the f- uh, Let's talk about the building first. Oh, okay. Firstly, <laughs> it was located next to a school. Like a really noisy, like... A preschool. Yeah, like a Young preschool. Young kids out on the playground just, I don't know, frolicking. <laughs> Screaming. And it was like. kind of nestled in a residential area. Yeah, it was kind of weird. And the building itself was very... When you were inside, the rooms were very narrow everything felt very like cramped and confined yeah 
it was clearly like a house or like a flat or something that had been converted. But it did have like four stories. Yeah, I was expecting it to be a gallery or like a museum. And it was, you know, like when you do like art shows at university and you hire out a space, it was like that. Because even, like, the way that you know that these have been freshly painted for this new exhibition, like, it was like that. There was nothing Cartier-Bresson about it. And so, at first, I was very much, like, shocked and also underwhelmed and confused. Because we went into the rooms themselves where the displays were, and it was just this other guy's photography. It was a guy, an artist I'd never heard of, and it was just two floors. Even though there were more than two floors, it was really only these two floors. And I'm going in the room and coming out of the room and looking at the plaque, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, where is all of Cartier-Bresson's work, all this work I've really been excited to look at? And I'm, like, Googling it and trying to figure out... And it doesn't say anything on the website about how, yes, this is his foundation, but you can't see his work here. Like, one can only assume that since it's the Cartier-Bresson Foundation, that that's... And he was an artist, that that's where his work would be. Yeah. I mean, they do say on the website that there is exhibitions going on there at the same time, but you assume that's just as well so at this point i'm like what the hell so we've been, at this point we basically realized that the only thing that was there was an exhibition of this other photographer's work yeah so we go downstairs and i'm like well i want to buy some stuff <laughs> <laughs> to make up for this and bresson was basically against like putting his work on shit and like making money off of it so the only thing you can buy are like postcards um So I picked out, like, a bunch of postcards. And then she was like, we don't take, like, we don't take card if it's not a certain amount. So you left to get money out of the cash machine. And I said to her, I was like, is there no, none of Bresson's work here? And she was like, no. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like... You, you like should you maybe said, say that somewhere. You'd like, think that they would prominently say either on the website or whatever else. This foundation is... The purpose of this foundation is to display other artists' yeah. work. Because there's nowhere does it say that. And I think that woman who came in on her own after us, I think she was confused as well because she was doing the same thing that we were doing, coming out and look, re-looking at the plaques and... Just looking around confused. And she said to us, she was like, are these the only floors? And yeah. I was like, yeah. And she, I think she was confused too. And yes, it was just kind of disappointing. Because I did briefly have a look at the other guy's work, but I wasn't really that in like it wasn't that interesting to because me. you were so disappointed especially already. because i was disappointed i looked at some of it it some of it was war photography hmm. and it was kind of interesting but there wasn't that much of it no there wasn't and so you kind of walk around this one room you go up to the next room walk around it and it's been 10 minutes and you're like i just paid 12 euros i guess this. i'm done yeah i like, mean and 
when you said that you went down and bought some postcards, it wasn't like there was a mini gift shop or anything. There, there was, was a... <laughs> a little stand of postcards and that was it. Yeah. And then there was like a couple of art books you could buy. Yeah. But that was that was it. That was it. And I'd saved it for my last day. It was And I'd done it in a way where I had carved out an a couple of hours because in my mind, I'm going there to see all of his work, which is going to take that long. And and so we were also at this weird time point where we still had a few hours, but not quite enough to actually go anywhere. Yeah. And so that was frustrating as well because it was our last part of the trip. I don't... I wasn't going to say this, of course, but I guess I should confess to punish you for making me cut open my phone, I'd actually called ahead earlier that day and I said, can you replace all of this guy's work with just some other <laughs> photos or whatever? And they were like, that seems cruel and inexplicable. That is cruel. And I, I was said, so upset. Well, it'll be funny in the moment. You know, if we weren't in Paris, like if we'd have just, maybe his foundation was here and we decided to go there one day, I would have cried. I think the only reason why I didn't cry is because we were in Paris and I don't know, like, but I really wanted to cry. That's what upset I was. And I felt stupid. And I don't know why I felt stupid because there's nowhere does it say, like, unless it's part of some weird gallery, like, decorum that you know that, like, if it says foundation, it means whatever. But... How silly. Yeah. How silly. Like, yeah. It's a totally understandable mistake. Anyone Mm. could have made it. So then afterwards, we just basically sat around for a while until it was around time to go to the Eurostar station. Yeah. And for a moment, we had a little bit of trouble finding the Eurostar part of the French train station. Did we? Do you remember we kept walking around and we would, you were going to go to the information desk at one point and we were looking at the signs. Oh, yeah. It was the same station that we, like, arrived at as well, but it wasn't clear at first where... Yeah, you didn't go to the same place as arriving. was, yeah. So, yeah, we went and... We were really early. Yeah, because we didn't even want to mm. chance anything ironically given what transpired a little bit later hey but we'll get to that when we get to that you shut your mouth (laughs) not placing blame anywhere of course the eurostar station was really nice it was had like fancy chocolatiers in there and like they had another bakery (gasps) place in there and that's where i got another macaron i was about to orgasm just thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) as one does of course Ryan goes to get, like, I, like, settle in with the rest of my, like, French bread and I have some, like, crisps and I'm just munching away because I'm really hungry at this point. And Ryan is like, I'm going to go and get, like, a, did you get, like, a tea? Yeah, you got, like, a tea and, like, a macaron or whatever. And he comes back and he's got, like, he's like, I've got something for you. And um, it was, like, it's kind of like a beignet, if anyone knows what they are. It's kind of like a donut but not really i mean it is a donut really it's like the donut hole yeah it's like the hole of a donut because they were small beignets obviously you can get they're like little donut balls yeah and it was the softest thing i've ever eaten it was like eating a cloud (laughs) a sugary cloud 
it was perfect. It was amazing. And I was almost a little bit mad at you that you only got me one. Well, I only so got small. you one because I didn't know whether you were going to like it. Yeah. But then once you said you liked it, I got you a bunch more for the train. Yeah, I got like five more. Is it weird that I got five more? Because in my mind, I was like, I want to get an even amount and I've already had one. Is that weird? It's weird, but not bad weird. Uh, okay. So, <coughs> so I ate that. First of all, I know this sounds really stupid, but when you came back and you had something for me i was like oh your little girl heart fluttered yeah. <laughs> you, do you remember when i was in the queue because oh yeah we went and queued up again there was a really long queue for this bakery and do you remember the woman who talked to me in the queue she was so cute it was super cute she was very concerned about potentially missing this yeah. train even she, though we still had like 40 minutes yeah she was getting the same train as us and i was standing behind her in the queue and at one point she turned around she was very friendly and she was like, do you have the time? And I was like, I told her the time. And she was like, do you think we'll have time to make the train? And I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. Don't she worry. She adorable. And then she asked, can we take food on the train? Do you know? Yeah. She was very high strung and yeah. a little bit worried. It was cute. So you got me my little donuts and I went and got you some tea from the other place. Because I wanted some tea for the train to kind yeah. of wake me up a little bit. And then we got on the Eurostar, and we like, even though we weren't rushed for time, we weren't rushing. It was a relief when we got on the Eurostar because you're always worried that you're going to miss it, even when like there's nothing to stop you from missing it. But on the way there on the Eurostar, it wasn't that packed. Yeah, it was very quiet. However, on the way back, we had what can only be described as the perfect storm, where every single seat in the carriage was filled. And it was, it started to get really hot in there because yeah, of all the body heat. And next to us on one of those four seater table seats mm. was this woman and her child. And then next to that on the next four seater table seat was this couple and their two kids. And throughout the course of the train ride, we watched this strange melodrama emerge where the first lady's kid went over to the other two kids and started trying to play eat with the, them and eat their food and stuff yeah and started to talk to them and th- these other kids were not having it at all it was one of those situations to begin with where the woman who had the one kid she was clearly the type of mom who didn't care what her child was doing like the child kept coming up to me and like poking me in the arm i know he was going to the people behind us And she would just sit there and watch him. And I really hate that. Like, I really hate it. It's like when people let their dogs do it. Not that I'm comparing a child to a dog. Wow. But it's like, what are you doing? I don't want this to be happening right now. I know everyone thinks it's cute because it's a little kid, but it's like, I don't. And so I try not to get too bothered by it. But then the kid went, found like this family that was like next to them. And he was, like, trying to eat their food. And the kids were like, no, you can't have it. But then the pe- the dad was like, he can have some. I think they were American. And he was like, he can have some. He was doing the typical, I'm trying to be nice yeah. in this situation. You kids just play nice with each other. But you could see that the other two kids were starting to get really irritated. But also because you imagined and assumed... That the mom was about to come and get the child and be like, no, you can't have it. But she didn't. She encouraged it. But it never went down that way. 
the rest of the journey, the kids stayed there and basically tried to eat all their food and like play with their toys. The funny thing is, during the course of this journey, on your iPad, you were watching the most fucked up, depressing, bleak film. (sighs) And every so often, because you were sitting by the aisle right next to where the kid and the other kids were, you would kind of tilt the iPad in when someone was getting gunned down. Well... I was watching Wind River, and spoiler alert, if no one has seen it, and don't probably don't see it after this, but um, it's very gets very violent at parts, and so I was trying to turn it all the way in so no one could see. But and that film was fucking dep- what a depressing, stupid film to watch on the way home from Paris. Yeah. But whatever. Um. So yeah, that was fun, and what was even more fun, we have to say, is. We got up early so that we could go before everyone else got up to get off the train. We got up and went to the end of the carriage into the middle section to wait for the doors to open. And then the first woman and her kid, she brings him out in the pram. Yeah. And she stands with us, basically. Yeah. And at one point, (laughs) I kid you not, listeners... We don't know for 100% certainty. We absolutely do. Basically, the kid dropped his pacifier, his dummy, on the floor. The mom picked it up, and we were right next to one of those really slim train toilets. Mm. Now, inside this toilet, there's no sink. There's no water fountain. There is simply a toilet. She was basically trying to find somewhere to wash the dummy. She went into the toilet... She came back out and gave it to the kid. And her hand and the dummy were wet. And you were just looking at me like, what I think has just happened could not have happened. And if it has, I can't live anymore. Yeah. Like, she did it twice because he dropped the dummy again and she went back in. And we were just like staring at each other like, no, I can't. Even still right now, I don't want to believe it's true. I want yeah. to believe some cockamamie alternative scenario where she went in there so she could, I don't know, no, clean that. it with her saliva or wipe it on her, her shirt. Her hand was soaking wet. I just... Like she'd put her whole hand in the toilet. I I don't <coughs> believe that that happened, yeah, but I know horrible. that it did. And she kept asking us when we were getting in. Yeah. We, so basically... Time was going to jump back again for us. Because there's a one hour time difference. Yeah. So I had looked at, I knew that the journey on the way home was sort of similar to on the way there, where we had about an hour to get from one train to the next. But because we didn't have to worry about the gate closing because we were leaving, we didn't have to worry about that. So obviously we have to get through customs. So there was that kind of worry. But then it turned out that there was no customs on the way. Oh yeah, there was no. We did obviously have to still go through like the metal detectors and stuff. But all the customs stuff had happened on the French side. Yeah. So we're standing waiting to get off the Eurostar and it's late. And it's late by like 15 minutes or something. So... We're not worried, but we're, like, a little bit, like, let's still rush a bit. Because I remember you were still quite worried at this point. 
And I was like, it's fine. Uh, I, I had like, even though previous to this, like on the way there, I had screenshotted all my like things that I needed, like all the train time journeys, the QR code thing for the tickets. Like for some reason, I didn't look at that at this point. You were like, what time's our train from London? And so I just like typed in train line in my email app and brought up the train email. And so I was like, the train's not till 8.23 or something or 8.13. And um, you were like, oh, okay, okay, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. So eventually we get off the Eurostar. We take the tube to the other train station and we look on the board, and funnily enough, the eight, that train. the eight thirteen or whatever it was, was right there to our destination. Yeah. Hadn't come in yet. Hadn't pulled into the platform. And we had about forty minutes. Yeah. So we went and sat wait. in a little coffee shop yeah, type place. Charge our phones and stuff. Yeah, just kind of taking the weight off our feet and talking and whatnot. Yeah. Every now and then, one of us would get up to see whether our the platform had because your information for your train will be there but the number platform won't be there yet so we were like once the number's there usually that means you can go and get on the train and because the train matched up with what you saw in that email it was like all the same stuff it was leaving from yeah. london euston it was leaving at this time it was going to our destination we obviously had no reason to think anything was awry so at about eight o'clock um, you got up to go and check to see if our number was there yet. And I'm looking at the email. I don't know why, like I just rechecked it for some reason. And as I'm looking at it, I realise next to it, next to the time, it says June. And I'm like, what? What the fuck is going on? So I look at the top of the email and... And there it is, confirmation email for a train that we had taken a different, like, year in June. And I'm like, no, <laughs> what the fuck? And I quickly, like, instead of check, check trying to find the right email, I go to the train app and I go to my tickets. And I don't know why I didn't do this to begin with. Obviously, I'm kicking myself now. And I look at my tickets and our train was at like 7.54. So it had already left. So it had just left. And you come back and I've already started to cry. <laughs> and I'm like, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. Like, I don't know what to do. And I tell you and you're just like, oh, my God. You weren't like mad. No. I thought you were going to be mad, but you were not. Not of that you get I, mad at yeah. stuff, but like. I wasn't mad. I was just so at that point, you, you're so exhausted from the trip yeah. and the traveling and everything that had been going on. It just felt like the final blow that yeah. pushes you over the edge and you're just like, I can't deal with the world and life right yeah. now. So we know that the train that we thought we were going to get, how weird that we, obviously, my mistake had been conf like further like mistaken by the fact that there was a train yeah it's obviously like a, they have standard trains at every time because every if we had got there and seen that there wasn't an 813 train we would have known yeah that, we, that i'd got it wrong so i'm like okay well we know that train is leaving in like 11 minutes or something so i quickly look up how much train tickets are they're like 50 pound each 
So I run to the machine and like get the tickets and we get on the train. And we had to run to get the yeah, train. Yeah, we had to because we were going to miss it. Because by the time I got tickets, it was like going to leave. Yeah. And the next train after that wasn't for a little while. It was for like an, an hour and a half or yeah. something. So we get on the train and then the train is like delayed. Yeah. So halfway through our journey, he's like, they've put us behind a, like the slowest train on earth. <laughs> And we were like 45 minutes yeah. delayed. So not only did we have to like pay extra, we didn't sit together for most of the journey. We were near each other, yeah. but we didn't sit, ne- to, and sit next to each other. And then we were delayed. So it and took us just, ages to get home. It's so funny that we were so deeply worried about the Eurostar snafu on the way there. And then we somehow managed to pull yeah. that off. And then the simplest thing... Yeah. Of checking the right train time on the way back basically screwed us up and cost us an extra hundred pound. And that type of thing, I don't that I don't do that. Like yeah. you're very I, meticulous and careful. It must have just been because I was like three days deep, tired, uh, exhausted, and like just I just messed up. Like, There's but no, I was so upset with myself. I know you were. You were very hard on yourself, but. What I tried to tell you then and what I'll say again now is that's the type of thing that could easily happen to anyone. Yeah. It's crazy that you typed in train line, which is the train service that we use, into your email and that it didn't bring up your latest email from there. No, yeah. There's it must just, have just been because the signal was so in and out. Yeah. It was loading them like the wrong... There were so many things that kind of conspired together to make this work yeah. against us. That it sucked. You just... It's just one of those things. It really did suck because we'd avoided paying extra to change <laughs> the first Eurostar tickets to make it so that we had less chance of missing it. And so, and then we avoided having to get new tickets because yeah, we did make it. I was feeling then... so good about saving that money. <laughs> and then on the hey. way back. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but we got home eventually. We finally, we finally got we home. We finally did it. Yeah, I definitely felt super emotionally exhausted. Yeah. And nothing feels better than your own bed after you've been away from it for a little while. I cooked when I got home, do you remember? It was like after 11 or something, but we hadn't eaten a meal that day. We just snacked on like bread and macarons and stuff. And you went to like the shop, do you remember? And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to cook because I'm like... <laughs> so... so- that was the Paris trip. Yeah. I didn't expect I it, know was it was going to take three hours for us to recount it. I know it was long. But hopefully but it was worth it, listeners. It's documented for me and for you. That's true. <laughs> and then the next day, I finally got my VR headset. You did. Did it come the next day? I think it did come the next day. Mm. I don't want to get into all the boring details, but I ended up dealing with so many problems trying to get Amazon to deliver it to me. Oh, yeah. I bought it on Black Friday. And then when I went on my order page, it said it was going to be delivered like a week later, which was instead no good. Of, instead of Amazon Prime, yeah, which is what it was. It should have been be. next day because when I bought it, it said in stock, you can get it, you know, whenever. Mm. And so then I contacted them and tried to get that fixed. And then the rescheduled thing that they wanted to do was no good because we were going to Paris and there would be no one in to receive the delivery. And so then I had to try and get it rescheduled again to after Paris. And it just turned into a yeah. whole kerfuffle, which... 
didn't it come in pieces as well? Yeah, they, they got, different parts of it got shipped separately. Mm. But I did end up getting like £25 in Amazon vouchers. Because they kept messing yeah. up. Yeah. That's good. The last, I talked to live chat so many times. And the last time that I talked to them, when I was trying to fix the final problem that arose, the guy was very, I've never had this before, where he was very standoffish and very like, well, there's nothing I can do. And that's that. And I, I've never, ever done this before. And I said, can I speak to the manager? Can I speak to your superior, whoever it is? Mm. And he, the funny thing is, he was like, that's fine, but he's only going to tell you the same thing that I told you. And then the manager gets on, finally. I had to wait a little bit. And he's like, I'm so sorry. This is completely unacceptable. Please accept. And he gives you like a different reason for stuff. Yeah. And like- and he gave me, and that's why I ended up with like £25 of Amazon vouchers to compensate for it. Mm. So that just completely sucked. But I finally got the VR headset and... This is my first time using VR, your first time using mm. VR. I've been super excited about trippy, this technology for a long time. I, I'm one of those people who likes to stay up to date with the latest technology in the fields that I care about, like video games. I don't care one jot about staying up to date with the latest iPhone. But when it comes to the latest video game consoles or peripherals or that type of technology... I really want to be on the cutting edge because I care a lot about that stuff. And so I've been, for like the last couple of years, I've had to see people talk about how Mm. cool VR is, how it's a complete game changer, how it's going to become the next big thing. And now that I've tried it, and even though the PlayStation VR headset is out of all of the main ones that are out right now, the lowest resolution, the least high tech, Like, it is the lowest grade one you can get. Despite all of those shortcomings and all of those flaws, it is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I didn't know what it was going to be like. And then, yeah, like you said, even though it's not, like, perfect, like, when you're in there, like, it's still enough to make you feel like whatever it is that you're seeing is really there. Um, so much so that at one point it wasn't even really like the game. It was like between levels or whatever. You're like underwater and I freaked out because I have a thing about like being underwater and it was just too much. I was just like, no, I'm under fucking water and I don't like it. (laughs) Get me out of here. Yeah. And and I was a bit dodgy when I was high up on things as well. Because when I tried the Batman thing and like there's a point where he's like clearly on top of like a building or whatever. And and it's a bit like, I don't know if I could do this. It can give you that sense of vertigo Mm. if you're not careful. So... And it can also give you motion sickness, yeah. which is why I got some motion sickness medication yeah. you, preemptively. Yeah, because you kind of do get a bit like travel sick and stuff sometimes. So The know. only time when I had a problem was one of the games on the demo disc that you get, you're in kind of a exoskeleton, like a mech suit, mm. and you're jumping from asteroid to asteroid in space. But... When you jump from one surface to the other, because they're not like parallel, you're changing orientation in midair. So you're kind of spinning as you jump from one place to another. Mm. 
And that's what I've realized makes me feel motion sick in VR. Uh. Any time when you're like spinning out of control and, and things are spinning around you, that's when your brain kicks in as like, this mm. is not right. Something is is seriously wrong. You need to get out of this. And so I played that game for like 20 minutes and I actually had to stop. Wow. Because it was starting to make me feel queasy. Yeah. And I was very worried that everything was going to have that effect on me. But everything else I've played, and I've sampled quite a lot of the VR titles now, nothing else has even remotely come close mm. to making me feel that physical discomfort. That's good. Some people talk about you have to play VR for a couple of weeks before you get your the equivalent of your sea legs, your VR legs, they say. Mm. And that may be true. I may have just kind of acclimatized yeah. to it. Did you... I know you only played for like a little bit but did you feel kind of queasy at all no i didn't get any of those because i know you've described feeling kind of like odd yeah. in the real world afterwards oh yeah that was so strange do you want to talk about yeah it? for the well when i got the vr headset i played it very intensively mm. like i was playing for hours and hours each day and then for about a week it was really difficult to describe, but there's this weird thing that happens when you're in a VR game and say with the PSVR, when you're holding the two move controllers in each hand and you're looking around in the virtual space and you're seeing your hands, your virtual hands move around. Mm. After I'd been doing that for like five hours straight and I finish and then I'm just sitting on the couch there was almost like a, a very, very subtle, like I'm talking like a 1% change in your perception. But I would look down at my hands. Your real hands? Yeah. And there'd almost be this slight tinge of unreality. Like they were also just like virtual floating hands that I could control as I wished. And everything around me just, like I said, it's very, very difficult to articulate. But it was almost like everything was slightly less impactful on my senses. Didn't you liken it to, like, after being high? It's a little bit like that. Like, the next day, when you are back to your normal lucid perception, there's almost, like, a little bit of lingering weirdness because you have the memory of what it was like to be high mm. and to have everything be slightly distorted or exaggerated and whatnot. So even though you've gone back to normal the next day... It still has this very, like I said, it's very subtle, this after effect where in this case with the VR, it was almost like it created a very, very, very slight remove between my perception and reality. I'm not explaining this very well, no, but I'm doing my are. best. you are. I can... It I... wasn't anything where I was freaking out. It was something I just remarked onto you as... I wonder if this is a very common thing because obviously your mind has to get acclimatized to you being in this completely immersive virtual space for a long period of time. When but it didn't freak me out or panic me or m make me feel crazy in any way. It was just a, a very strange, subtle phenomenon that I noticed. Yeah, when you said to me, like you were trying to explain it, and then when you said the thing about being high, I was like, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. I didn't feel it after I played VR, but I didn't play for very long. I played for less than an hour. Yeah. So um, 
I didn't feel it, but I know, I think I know what you're talking about. I want to play it again. Like, I haven't played it very much, but I did really enjoy it. Like, I enjoyed shooting. (laughs) That sounds really bad. But I enjoyed, like, shooting. Yeah, I put you in, on the demo disc, there's this heist game where you play one of these London gangsters doing a, a heist and one of the levels you're in this van driving along the highway and you can shoot out the window and out you can even open the car door and shoot backwards with this Uzi and I was watching you and you were getting so into it which you do of course I really enjoyed it like I kept saying to you why haven't they given you the option to have two guns because yeah. you have to shoot here and there and there and there and it's like I want to be able to shoot with the other hand but I can't and like having to like reload and like I don't know I there were a few really times cool. where you couldn't find a magazine and you were like scrambling around with the remotes <laughs> like where's the magazine and then you would like slam it into the bottom of the Uzi yeah. and start spraying out the window I enjoyed it honestly it was I'm super it's lie. very fun to see someone experience it for the first time mm. because like I said, the PlayStation VR has the lowest resolution screens, has the least accurate tracking, or everything across the board it is like the lowest specs. But it's still so good. VR is such a compelling technology that the test the ultimate testament to that is that none of that matters. Yeah. For example, I'm knee deep in Skyrim VR which I was super excited for. I've already played through Skyrim once when around when it came out on the PC. And so I was excited to replay it in VR and kind of experience it in a very different way. And when you jump into it, there is kind of a shock because the graphics have been, how can I say, supremely downgraded. Mm. I mean, the textures are super low res and muddy. The draw distance is kind of atrocious in that as soon as you walk along a path trees like 20 feet away will start popping in because the game is only (laughs) loading them then people's faces are very blurry but despite all of that it doesn't matter Mm. that's the magical thing about it i was disappointed with the graphics at first but then you play it and it's so good, it's so compelling, and it's so immersive that none of that matters. And I've played, I think at this point, probably about 30, 40 hours already. Wow. And I'm probably going to put in the full, like, 150, 200 hours to complete the entire game and the DLCs. Because it's just so good. It's so cool. And this is a game that they retrofitted with yeah. VR. Where not everything has been designed from the ground up for the VR controls. Mostly it's just the weapons. And using the weapons is so much fun, like I told you. I've always been in games like that, RPGs. I like to use the bow and arrow because I like to attack from a distance. And in VR, when you're putting an arrow on the bow and then you're pulling it back and you're aiming it and then you fire it, it's so much more immediate and so much more visceral than just aiming with the thumbstick and pressing the trigger to shoot and early on in the game before you level up your archery skill and you eventually get a skill where you can kind of zoom in and see where the arrow is going to hit that's quite a ways away from when you start the game but for the most part at the start of the game 
it is a real test of skill in terms of you have to really think about where the arrow is going to go because there's no crosshair, there's no reticule. I remember when you were doing it and you were it's like, super then in, satisfying. Then in. You feel like goddamn Legolas because <laughs> when you hit someone, you really feel like I did that. It took skill to, for me to think where the arrow was going to go and to compensate for the distance and the arrow falling as it travels. And then the melee weapons, when you're swinging them and you're crushing these walking skeletons with these giant war hammers, it's just so much fun. Uh-huh. Like, I really love it. Yeah, I'm so glad. It's so good. And seriously, the next Elder Scrolls game, which has been in development for, it seems, 400 years at this point, <laughs> if they come out and say it has been designed from the ground up for VR and the next iteration of the Oculus Rift comes out and it's wireless and it has these ultra high definition 4K screens in it so you can't see, even see the individual pixels, I will... And I'm kind of joking, but also in a very real sense, not sell my kidneys <laughs> to buy a Just new one. PC <laughs> and to get that headset and the new game. Because if that happens, it is just going to be incredible. Wow. Well, exciting. It's very exciting. I saw someone online, this guy posted and said, VR is just a fad. Like, it's going to be the next no 3D TV. In a couple of years, no one's going to want this. Shops are going to struggle to sell them off. And I just sat there shaking my head Have thinking... Have you said that about VR? You like, are missing the point so completely. Yeah. There's nothing I can do apart from feel bad for you. If you think this is some cheap gimmicky fad... You seriously have no idea what you're talking about. I've experienced it for like 40 minutes and I know that like something that enticing, there's no way. I'm not saying I'd want to play every game in VR. I'm not saying that it's going to make playing games on a TV screen obsolete. Not at all. It's always going to be a side thing. It's always going to be like a new facet. Yeah, it's going to be a new alternative way to play. But it is go- it is the next big thing mm. in a very authentic way. And I've really enjoyed the games that I've played so far. You enjoyed playing the Batman game? I did enjoy playing the Batman game. I liked being Batman. <laughs> and like standing on... Even though it was scary, standing like on top of the building or whatever and seeing like the bat signal and stuff, um, I... I st- I enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, looking around and feeling like I was like up there and it's like raining and it's very moody. And then like in his like bat cave or whatever, trying on all the different stuff yeah. for like his bat suit and like th- throwing the um batarangs. Batarangs. I felt like throwing the batarangs like you did with the bow and arrow. Yeah. Even though obviously it probably Gets, lets you do it on target even when you're not that There's precise. a little bit of altering. It still felt, like, I got it, like, a few times straight yeah. away and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I am like, Batman. Because it's like, hit the target, hit the target. And, um, it's my destiny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm very excited to play some of the multiplayer games when we have people around. Yeah. There's one called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes where the person uh, wearing yeah. the VR headset can see this elaborate bomb and has to defuse it. 
And then the other people in the room have to read a manual about yeah. how to defuse bombs and guide that person through. It doesn't the sound very interesting when you say it out loud, <laughs> but watching like a let's play or whatever it's called on, I know the lingo. You do. Watching like a let's play on that, like it's tense, man. Yeah. It's good. So that's going to be a fun. What's the other one? The other one reminds me of Overcooked. I love Overcooked. Which we had a really good time with i can't remember exactly what it's called it has diner in the name and it, it's only just come out but it's basically one person is at a grill making burgers and drinks and stuff like that in a diner and then the other person is going around the diner collecting orders and um, bringing them back to you again, it doesn't sound very good but yeah. when you know the game like overcooked and you enjoy that like that's fun that's going to be fun to yeah. play those. So I'm very excited to play those games when we have some people around. Yeah, that's going to be fun. So what games have you played? Well, I've played Skyrim, obviously, which is just going to be an enormous time sink in the coming months. But I'm super excited to play it because I've never actually played the DLCs before. I only ever played through the main game. So that's new content that I've never seen before. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to see it in the visually downgraded, muddy graphics. But as you said, yeah. it's not, you know. The funny thing is I actually bought the super high def remastered version of it that you can play just normally on the console. And I was going to play it through like that in its super crisp updated graphics. And then I found out it was coming out for VR. And so it's just funny how there's this dichotomy of I could have played it where it's looking super crisp and sharp. And then I ended up playing it in his, in a different way where it's kind of reined in a bit and downgraded. Um, besides that, I played this game called Super Hot, which is very Matrixy. Oh, yeah. I remember you playing that. And you were, like, how everyone says about, like, when you move, like, in the Matrix, you were moving like that. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting to watch you play VR because I can't see anything on the TV. You're just in the middle of the room, like, yeah. dancing around. Dancing around. <laughs> like, doing yeah. whatever. And occasionally you'll get close to me. And I'm like, and it looks like you're like whacking something right in front of my face. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's happening. I'm not a skeleton, <laughs> Ryan. Don't hit me. Don't hit me. Yeah. So that game's really good. It's very, it's almost kind of like you're doing a murderous ballet where yeah. you're moving around and time is, is slowed down. It only moves. Time only progresses when you move. So you can like stand still and time has stopped. And so you can make strategic decisions and you can really do some cool, like I said, very matrix bullet time type moves with your guns. That was super cool. And then there's the Batman game, mm. which is very tech demo very launchy, but is an interesting exhibition of some of the cool stuff the technology could do in the future. Mm. The real problem with PlayStation VR in particular is they used these move controllers that they actually first came out with during the PlayStation 3 era. And so they've kind of like pulled them into this new technology and bundled it with them. But 
they don't have any thumbsticks for you to move around. So games where you need to move around, generally you're dealing with a very inadequate, imperfect control system. A lot of games... But you can walk around for some of them. Yeah. Like, for example, in Skyrim, there's a control method where to walk, you one of your controllers becomes your directional control and wherever you point it and hold down a button that's the direction you move in the problem is when you get into combat if you need to fight something sometimes you're using both controllers at once one controller will represent your shield and one will represent your sword and so you're trying to like bash someone with your shield and hit them with your sword but you're also trying to point the control in the direction you want to walk. Mm. Can't you just walk, though, if you want to? No. Not in that? No. Because there's no... There's n- The only thing that's on the controllers is buttons. There's no D-pad mm. or thumbstick or whatnot. You should just be able to walk. Yeah. Th- these technologies, you have to accept if you're an early adopter that you're dealing with them in a very infantile state Mm. like there's a lot of kinks to be worked out a lot of stuff to be figured out this is kind of not accounting for the fact that a lot of games only let you teleport from place to place not simply because there's not a thumbstick to let you move smoothly but because that teleporting system apparently stops people from getting motion sickness mm. some people if they walk around just normally but some people don't get motion yeah, sickness it's true. so there should be that option it's true um and so yeah i've played a couple of other games nothing super standouty there's a game called i expect you to die which is kind of like each level you're in a virtual escape room and it's got kind of a james bond secret agent theme where you have to kind of escape from these predicaments and figure out all these different ways of interacting with the environment to get out alive. And you die a lot, and that's how you learn what not to do. And so Mm. you eventually find a sequence of interactions to survive the level. That's kind of cool. And so, yeah, there's a couple of good stuff. There's things I've bought that I haven't played yet, and I'm very interested to try. I definitely have bought this PlayStation VR headset knowing that it's going to be obsolete pretty quickly yeah. because it's so low resolution and it's so they've had to cut a couple of corners to make it work with a PlayStation 4. It's good that they have this option though yeah. for people who can't afford like the Oculus Rift and also just to try it out because there's got to be people out there that try it and it's just like they can't get the handle of it because a, they get like motion sickness or B, they just don't really like it. And so yeah. there's a way to try it without breaking the bank. Yeah, exactly. Because, without selling your kidneys. Like well, you that's what I'm probably going to have to do if the aforementioned scenario comes to pass because I would probably have to buy a completely new PC mm. with sufficiently high specs to run VR and then I'd have to buy the VR headset I don't even know if we have enough room in our apartment to do some of the VR setups that you can do. Mm -hmm. Like some people completely clear out a whole room and then there are VR systems where you tally the confines of the room and so it knows where you can walk. This is where you can actually like walk places. 
Whereas we don't really have that yeah, kind of space. No, and that's why when I do play VR, like you mentioned, I sometimes get danger close to your face. Yeah. <laughs> but so far, there have been no accidental bludgeonings. No. You did kind of whack me once. Did I? Yeah. It's funny because I put my hand out at the same time as you put your hand out. And if I hadn't have put my hand there, you would have, like, whacked Rudy in the face. Oh, man. Do you remember this? No. Yeah, he was, like, sitting on me, and you kind of put your hand out really quick. And at the very same time, I put my hand up for some reason. I don't know what I was doing. It was your motherly instinct. Yeah, and I put it up in front of Rudy's face, and then you, like, got my hand. Oh, wow. It kind of hurt. So I imagine it would really hurt his face. But, yeah, that... That's the kind of thing, that's why you need, like, space. Yeah. Because you, like, push the sofa back and, like, move the table and it's still quite a small space to be playing It's in. just about enough to play most games. But, yeah, you can technically use VR in relatively small confines. Mm. But if you want to do the room scale VR where, like you said, you can walk around, I seriously don't think that... Even pushing the sofa all the way back and moving the coffee table and whatnot, I just don't think you can empty out a complete room yeah. in our apartment. But a boy can dream. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy with the experience. I'm very excited to see where this technology goes. It really is going to be the next frontier in virtual yeah. entertainment. Well, it's super cool. Super cool. It's super one of those things cool. where you know you're trying something which is going to be yeah. the thing in the future like the first guy who got into a car and was like this is much better than horses <laughs> and other people were like no horses are going to be around forever dude what are you talking about yeah. they're so much better no one wants these noisy smoky automobiles <laughs> there's that quote from henry ford where he says if i'd listened to what people wanted I would have made a faster horse, which is a good point if you That's think about it. Point. So, yeah, this has been an interesting episode. We didn't get to the topic I thought we were going to get to, no. but we did recount the whole tale of Paris. Which is a good thing to have. It is. Because already I was like, what do we do that day? Yeah. Like, and it's only been a month, which just goes to show that, like... Because it was a very special trip for us. It was our first travels as a couple it was your first journey outside the uk and it was a very fun very memorable trip was it nice traveling with me it was we didn't it was very like we were a team yeah we ran into like obstacles and problems but we were very much in that same mind state of it's you and i together let's get through this yeah i thought so too i I don't, I don't, you know, you have like this expectation of things. Like I have this like expectation of what France is going to be like or what Paris itself is going to be like. Um, and I felt like in a way it was different to what I thought it was going to be like. Okay. Like I think you expect it to be more paris than it is, <laughs> right. if that makes sense. Like, the streets are just streets. Yeah. The buildings are just buildings. Like, especially if you're coming from, like, an England to a, to yeah. a, to a Paris, because the te architecture 
I mean, obviously, if you want to get down to it, I'm sure they are very different. But at the same time, there is just as old shit there than there is here, you know? It's not completely different. It's not like going from America to Paris, where, like, there's going to be completely different structures. But even then, it's not like you're entering a topsy-turvy wonderland. No, no, but you get what I'm trying to say. Like, I think you, like, for me anyway, I was, like, expecting, like, Paris level 10. It was Paris level eight. Not to say that it was like an eight out of ten. I don't mean it like that. Um, But some things obviously were very French, like or very different or very whatever you expect them to be. Um, I think we had a really good trip. Like I was very pleased with it. I think though sometimes things can move so quickly like once we were actually there, things were moving so fast, and because we were only there for two nights, um, we still got to do like lots of things, see lots of things. We crammed a lot into we that did. time. I remember saying to you, like, you need to go for five days, really, do loads of shit for two days, rest for one day, and then do loads of stuff for two days, because you just get so like i the only thing i wish or that i would like do differently on our next trip is like i don't know i want to be not like it really bugged me that i had to like that my feet hurt so much so i don't know how i would like go about changing that for like our next trip amputate them and replace them with robotic feet with wheels the course is clear with wheels (laughs) i don't know if it's like a stamina thing or better shoes or a combination of the two um but i do think you really need to be prepared um because i am someone who gets grumpy at things like if the weather's too hot i'm grumpy or if my feet hurt i'm grumpy but i really think despite that that like it was such an amazing trip like, I really had so much fun. And we saw so much and uh, experienced a lot. And there were, like, funny things that happened. <laughs> and, like, you know. It was awesome. It was. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, too. And I can't wait to go on more trips with you. This time to Bristol. <laughs> Call back. Where do you think you would want to go next in Europe? I would like to go to Switzerland like to go to Germany. I'm not sure where else on the top of my head. I think I'd like to go to Amsterdam. You've been to Amsterdam. I so I don't know that that would be like our next one just because I wouldn't want you to have to go somewhere. There's tw- like twice I'd want you to go somewhere new. So that's a tale for a, another podcast yeah. listeners. <laughs> Let's just say that when you go to Amsterdam at 18, it's quite an experience. You're really only going for one thing. I, I guess. That could mean two things. Yeah, and I don't like yeah, the implication. Yeah, maybe we take that back. So let me just <laughs> clarify that it was marijuana. <laughs> not the sex. <laughs> and not the ladies of the night. <laughs> God, when you're walking through the red light district and you see all the women in their windows, it is so profoundly depressing. Mm. It is just the atmosphere there is just reeks of sadness and desperation and unhappiness and I, oh god it just bums you out it bums you out to your very core yeah but anyway anyway <laughs> <laughs> so yeah 
we'll do the topic that I was planning to do on this podcast next episode. Yep. Very excited to be recording the podcast again. Yeah. After our little breaky break there. Layoff. And hey, after talking about Paris for four hours, (laughs) possibly it's going to pop up as an advertisement, a Paris-themed advertisement in your Facebook feed. Hey. Based on what you were saying to me before the podcast. Listen to me, guys. Ryan, for some reason, doesn't know that, like, there's this theory among the world that the Facebook... The world elders. ...that Facebook listens to you, okay? You all are not in your head because I know you know. And I know this is true. This has got <laughs> to be true. Let me tell you why, right? Because a few weeks ago... Okay, let me start again. I have never in my life seen an ad for Yaz. Is it Yazoo? Yahoo. Well, Yahoo. Yahoo. The, the search engine. The milkshake. No, the milkshake. Oh, that's Yazoo. Yazoo. I have never in my life seen an ad for Yazoo. Online. I know this. I just know that I haven't, right? I am talking to you about getting me some Yazoo. Not only did I talk to you about it, but I text you because you were out and I was like, get me some Yazoo. Then half an hour later, I'm on instagram which is owned by facebook and there's a fucking ad for yazoo no kidding and i didn't type it in google i didn't look it up on facebook or whatever i simply spoke about it and i text it to you then there was an ad for it straight away so Something's going on there so your theory is that they're listening through your phone's microphone they are listening and they're using that to inform their ad yes. choices for you? Yes. I don't know what you don't understand. I do understand. I'm just aghast. No, it's At true. this leap of logic. We're going to test it. We're going to talk about something that we have never possibly seen an ad for, and then we're going to see an ad for it. Gosh, I can't get enough of that Bud Light beer. You've seen an ad for Bud Light. Oh, okay. Come on. What's something you would never see an ad okay, for? Okay, let me think. That's a great sound for you to be listening to. <laughs> that was the sound of you <laughs> juicing a grapefruit, right? Yeah. Okay. Bird's eye crispy pancakes. What a random thing exactly. to choose. I would like some bird's eye crispy pancakes for my dinner tomorrow. But you're not quite sure if you want to purchase them, so you need something to push you over the edge, I also say. don't know where to get them from. <laughs> you're making the most mock, confused face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you the evil genius? I'll keep genius? you updated if I get a, uh, ad, ad for it. If an ad should appear. Hey, don't say it. I think if they've listened to this, they know the game we're trying to play. <laughs> uh, but that means they won't show it. Yeah, they know we're onto them. Yes, they do. They've got a, <coughs> they've got a means of total global surveillance, and they're using it to sell milkshake ads better. They're obviously also listening for other things, but yeah. So, on the one hand, they're trying to stop <laughs> Al Qaeda, and on the other hand, they're trying to sell you beverages. Yeah, pretty much. Well, on that note of absolute insanity, <laughs> let's move on to the plugs real quick. Plugs. Bath plugs. 
You can't get them out once they're in. No, you have to use knives. I mean, what? Scissors. Knives? <laughs> Let me pull out my knives. <laughs> Baff, you don't know what's coming for you. Many, many lacerations. Hey, you don't know how good it felt to soak my feet after being walking all that I'm sure day. it felt real good. It felt real fucking good. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. It was quite a unusual one yeah. in that we didn't talk about anything we we've read. We didn't talk about anything. So please share it with anyone else you think <laughs> may like it. <laughs> it's not very representative of our podcast in general, but it was a special one-off travel log. Yes. New episodes are released about three weeks after the last one. You can find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much everywhere else where podcasts are sold for zero dollars or you can go to artatpodcast.com which is a-r-t-a-t podcast.com which currently redirects to our soundcloud page you can send any feedback you may have or any comments or any european travel tips or any insider information you may have Working in the secret facility at Facebook HQ, hey. which is monitoring all our Don't speech. Me. You can send that to artatpodcast at gmail.com and we'd really like to hear from you. We would. We want to set up a pen pal relationship with as many people as possible. Mm, do we? We're going to, through snail mail, we're going to try and brainwash as many people as possible. We're going to set up this global web of dupes and we're going to set up our own cult of personality sure and please rate review and subscribe on itunes which is really good for budding little podcasts like us it's like we're a little seed and the reviews are manure that they heap around us manure manure petit manure manure petit manure no it's petit filou but isn't Minu a cat? Yeah, it's kitty. So why did you correct me? I don't know. You corrected me to yogurt. Yeah. I was talking about cute little kittens. Yeah. And you had to button and talk about... Just the word kittens. It just makes your insides oh, glow. Can I birth a kitten? Please don't. I mean, I'd like to. Do you have a feline birth canal? Yes. That's... Do you have feline sperm? I have feline eggs. What? Huh? Huh? I have a uterus. <laughs> okay, so come follow us on social media. We're our tap podcast, if you can believe it. That would be super cool of you. Do it. So yeah, that wraps up another successful episode. Successful in the sense that we recorded it. Not really in any other sense. What do you think about that, Samantha? Now that you've become my silent co-host. I think it's cool that we made you. Episode number whatever. <laughs> I forgot what episode number one. One episode 42. Episode 24. You were so close. 26? 25. Oh, damn. You're so close to my
Which on the creepiest smiley face on this piece of paper? I don't know what you're talking about. This piece of paper with the outro written There is on no it. script. Paper, paper, paper. It's always ad-libbed. No, there's a it's script. It's always improvised. Sure. How is it creepy? It's, it's just, just a smiley face. It's got like a crooked ear. Wow. And like... Bigot much? No. You don't like it's people with creepy. malformed ears? It's doing ears? like creepy smile with no teeth. Like... You wanted me to draw teeth on a smiley face, <laughs> and you think that what Listen, I did was creepy? Thanks again. <laughs> we thank you for listening to our podcast, our great, great podcast. Isn't it great? <laughs> You're stabbing me. <laughs> the music used during the intro and outro was provided by Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> He's my best friend. <laughs> it was provided by Christopher from Sounds Like an Earful.com. And our podcast art, a really good, great podcast art where my hair is so pink, was created by the talented Jake Contu, whose work you can find at Jake K O N T O U dot artstation.com. That's all, folks. See you next episode. See you next episode. See you next episode. See you next episode. <laughs>